Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thanks, God. I was, I was heading somewhere yesterday. And I don't know how we got on all the topics we got on. I think it was Brother Jonathan Field. I can blame him. He's not here. Just to ask a question. Actually, we were already kind of on that topic. But I, wanna, I, really, I really believe today, it's Thursday, right? We just want to talk about, because we've really talked about healing, God's will to heal. And the reason I camped there so long and really talked about healing for a whole week, a lot of the scriptures, is because if you're going to step out and begin to love on people, you have to settle your heart and establish your heart. What you believe the will of God is for people. You see what I mean? And because you, you want that confidence, you want to believe that God's with you, that he's a yes and amen with what you're doing, and you have to find that through the word. And I think, I think we have a heart to love one another and a heart to love people even out in our lives. And I think a lot of us get conscious to do it, but come up with reasons why maybe we can't, maybe we're not ready. Do you know what I mean? And we pull back from that. And I want to talk about, and just hopefully simplify it and make it very simple, uh, how we can just love people and how you can't fail. Wouldn't that be cool? To actually believe you can't fail. Who believes you could fail? See, a lot of people believe they can fail. And you really can't fail when you love, when you love somebody. When you're sincerely loving somebody. If love's in your heart and what you're doing is because of love, how can you fail? Love never fails. And I know you say, well, the context of love never fails means it never ceases or never stops. But think about that. If your love's sincere, you're not going to fail. You're going to effectively love somebody. Even if you don't see what you were intending to see at the time, are you still loving somebody and opening the door for God to move? Are you opening the door for the kingdom? Are you still loving somebody? How many people have not been loved by a love that has no other agenda but their sake? How many people have never just been approached without a hidden purpose? And when they realize that, it opens up their ear to hear the voice of God. To, to literally that they start thinking in their mind, it's like they did that for me. It's like when you walk away, sometimes when you walk away from an encounter with a person, until you walk away, they don't let their guard down until you walk away because they're still wondering why you're there. But after you walk away, it, it gets them thinking that you took the time it took, whatever was involved, and then all of a sudden they have to begin to process that you did that for them, period. That's rare. We grew up with what's in it for you. Well, where is this heading? Well, what's the catch? You know, I use in, I use in, uh, I use when we do power and love and stuff, different illustrations. I say, you know, we have these evangelistic mentalities and outreach mentalities. And the world is on to those things, the outreach mentalities. And it, it, it shouldn't be an outreach. It should just be an as you go. Remember, all authority in heaven and earth go, therefore. So we already got the word go. It's not like the third Thursday of the month. <laughs> third Thursday of the month, we're going to go hit the streets, guys. You know, it's okay to do that. But what's important is that somewhere between the third Thursday of the month, you're, you, you've loved somebody along the way, or you'll teach yourself 
outreach mentality. You'll put on a false sense of boldness, a false sense of purpose. You'll find strength in the crowd, and you'll just and it won't be who you are. It's just what you're doing. And that's why the edge won't be as sharp as it could be. You follow what I'm saying? If the only time, it's not, I'm not against outreach. What I'm saying is let's make sure what we do on outreach is who we are anyway. You know what I mean? There's another thing we do, like, like uh, the, the, the bottled water. I've heard that in over the years. You know, it seems like a real good idea, but there's a, there's a snag to it. It's like, because we feel compelled to get everybody, and I understand we want everybody saved, but we feel like that's our mission, to get everybody to pray a prayer that we came up with. Wonder if our mission is to love everybody sincerely and sow and water and watch God bring increase. Wonder if that, wonder if he said, wonder if Jesus said, go preach the kingdom of God is here and heal the sick or go heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is here. Even where he said in Matthew, he said, go make disciples. He, he didn't say, go get them to pray a prayer and then shake their hand and say, congratulations, you're in and walk away. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm just saying. So we hand out water on a hot day because it sounds like a good gesture. So these girls are sitting along the road watching the parade and it's 101 and not as many people came out because it's so hot. So we go and give them ice cold water. But the reason is so we can initiate conversation and so that maybe we could get them to believe what we believe and pray. And our heart is sincere. We want them saved because we look at them and think they can't be saved. So (laughs) they're so free. They just slap them right past them. And you look at them and you say, they can't be saved. And you give them water. And then they're sitting there and there's a catch to it. In other words, you're not just giving them water because they're thirsty and you love them. You're actually giving them water so you have access to them and you're using that as a carrot, a tool. It's a, it's a, it's, we need to think about that. People are on to that. People are like, okay, yeah, thanks. Now here it comes. Serious? Did you have a comment, a question? Becky, or I can repeat it if it's short, unless you need the mic. You want to? Here's here's the mic. It's coming. We want you recorded, Patty. (laughs) (laughs) I've said that many times. We've gone to New York so many times, you know, got on the streets with the homeless people. They know why you're there, you know, and they want food, you know, and they're willing to, you know, you it seems like the mission is when they get out there is to get these people saved. But then where's the follow up? You know, and I've always had that problem, like, you know, oh, so they get back and get all these people saved. Yeah, I always thought in my heart, well, what's after, what comes after that? Because, you know, they're out there on the street. They know what time the midnight hour, the, the midnight train comes by and gives them food. They, they right. Some of those people out on the streets know more than we do. Oh, yeah. Very streetwise. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know... You, you think you're doing, and you are, you're feeding them, in which, but like you say, if you just went out there and loved them without a agenda behind it, they'd say, hmm. Right. You know, I always had that problem, you know, so you get them saved, then what? Right. 
Sometimes I think you do them more harm than you do them good. Well, if you, here's the deal. What Patty's saying is, because this is my big concern over the years, because I've been out on the streets, bunches to go with some people to places and just preach. And I really observed a lot, prayed a lot, walked the streets and prayed. And, and uh, I always had, I had, I had, I could see the good of being there, but I had a lot of trouble with questions in my heart. So I didn't want to be critical. So I would take walks with Jesus, ask, look, what I've realized is we're trying to get them to heaven. We're not giving them the real message of why Jesus came. We've reduced the message to getting to heaven someday. That doesn't change your everyday reality. And that doesn't change the way they're going to live and wake up tomorrow if we're not careful. So we don't give them the whole message. We don't give them, like making disciples is, is teaching them the truth of who they are. Giving Holy Spirit something to really work with to where it's more than, okay, I prayed this prayer to go to heaven. And I, and I believe that's what we've reduced the gospel to, trying to get them to uh, confess Jesus as Lord and forgive me of my sins. And now your name's in the book. Yes, we gotcha. And then we walk away and you're saying, well, what about these people now? If, if, if I can show these people, when I talk to people and young people really respond because they understand, they get it. This weekend when I was, you know, at these, uh, the, 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 the rehab houses, there was people that said to the pastors, and it's no reflection on the pastors, it's not that, it's sometimes you go in as a confirming voice. Sometimes people stereotype the one that's teaching because they expect him to say what he's saying because he's in that position. And then somebody new comes in and they don't really make that connection. They just hear what you're saying. It's just that, but there was people that said, I finally understand why I'm here. Now that's a big comment. When somebody in a rehab house says, I understand why I'm here. I understand why I'm alive now. Do you understand that every time they live contrary to that, Holy Spirit can work in them and bring them to that truth and lead them through that. That's how some sow, some water, and God gives the increase. I can't disciple people when I'm traveling and I'm touching and loving as I go. It's the will of God. Go. I can't, I won't. There's people that say, well, you, can't, you don't want to just do that because you can't disciple them. Well, Holy Spirit is amazing discipler if we give them truth. If we sow seed, seed can grow. If we're just trying to get them to heaven, it might be a done deal in their mind. You know, I've got this scenario I, I think of all the time. Well, because I've bumped into it. Uh, people live in a life a certain way and you talk to them and they say, oh, well, hey, man, I prayed that prayer a couple years ago. I mean, they got a girl in their arm that's not their wife coming out the bar, you know. I'm just, hey, I prayed that prayer about three years ago right on that corner. Yeah, I'm in. Thanks, though. It's just true. And if you give them a clear message of repent, be baptized for the remission of your sin and teach him that we've all lived in a selfish tendency that when Adam fell, he became self-centered, self-preserving. That's why, man, we live in anger, frustration. That's why you just as quick could be angry at me than let me just talk to you right now because we make our own decisions. We become a God under ourselves. We were really created for God's image. We're created for love. And Jesus comes to snatch us out of this fallen place, out of this dark place. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Jesus has come in his love to say, you're more than this. Your created value is way more than what you're living. Man, when you have time to talk to people like that, when you talk to a group of young people like that, they understand what you're saying because they're all struggling with all those feelings and emotions. 
You see what I mean? They're, they're, just, they're coming right into the rat race. We've all run. <laughs> well, they're already in it. And uh, so we have, to, we have to touch them in that place to where truth, truth, and, and that's your goal, to get their heart open. But you have to understand that there's people I'll pray for that get healed, and we're out in public, and they're like, oh my gosh. And sometimes they're stunned. They're just stunned. And I'll just give them two lines. I'll just say, listen, Jesus is really, really real. I'll say stuff like he's not a philosophy. You know, he's not just an Easter story. He's the king of glory. He's the Lord of all, and he loves you. That's why you're healed. Man, pursue him, whatever. They're standing there shocked, and, and I'll just walk away. You say, well, you didn't lead them to the Lord. No, I gave them the Lord. I, I gave them a reality encounter of God that they can't run away from that God can build on. See, see, we're so pressured to get people to pray that prayer that I believe we fail to viably love people and sow seeds that God can grow. You see what I'm saying? Jesus, go to Luke again, chapter 10. Yesterday, I tried to start in Matthew 10. We got on some stuff. Well, we got on casting out unclean spirits and we started talking about it. <laughs> and uh, we never recovered. So, but that was in Matthew 10. And that was after, in fact, uh, forgive me, go there first. Would you? Do you mind? It's just a couple chapters back. Just brrr, a couple books back. It's on page 1307. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> if your Bible's anointed, 1307. <laughs> Watch this. Jesus, well, actually, it's 1306, Matthew 9. The last two verses, three verses. Jesus went about how many cities? All the cities, teaching in their synagogues, preaching. So he was teaching and preaching to the people. He wasn't just trying to get them to pray a prayer. He was actually giving them understanding. See, when you teach people, you give them understanding and you give God something to work with in their understanding. See, once I sow a seed into somebody, like nothing grows unless it's sown. Do you understand that? Like nobody ever plowed their yard and then looked out the window wondering why the beans weren't growing if they didn't put the seeds in the ground. It's just simple. I think sometimes we think so supernatural that we fail to put legs to our faith and just go love somebody and put a seed of love in them so God can sprout that thing. We're, we're waiting for God to just win the nation and he's waiting for us to go love him and put something inside him. Really, he is. You can, you can look in Isaiah. I, I think it's the end of 61. It says, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to grow, so shall the Lord cause righteousness and praise to spring forth from the earth. Now, who knows God can come and just breathe over a city and transform a city, make an amazing awareness of God and a hunger for God. Who knows God? But for all the years we've been waiting for him to do that and praying, which is a good thing, we could be out there loving those very people. <laughs> and that's not a plan B. It's a calling. It's, it's what we're called to. See, because Jesus said to follow him, and he, he set a pretty serious example, and then he sent his 12 out in Matthew 10 and in Luke 10 he sent 70 more out to set an example and set a precedent and he gave them authority remember how we covered this yesterday so he's teaching and preaching and 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 he didn't just teach and preach look what he did he was healing how many sicknesses every sickness and how many diseases every disease among the people 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Isn't that amazing? Because he knows his desire for people. They were there without a shepherd. She's got the word, but I'm the good shepherd. And they're the people without a shepherd. They don't understand who their father is. Watch this. He was moved with compassion. Why? Because they were weary. Who's ever been weary? Scattered. (laughs) So it's saying the reason people are weary and scattered is because they don't have a shepherd. That's pretty convicting. That means if we get our eyes off of Jesus, you'll be weary and scattered pretty quickly. (laughs) Which means if we actually stay centered and focused and understand and have truth and keep our eyes on him and and let him father us, it keeps us from that place. That's a pretty good deal. Remember, we talked about this. As you get your conscience violated, get a little reverb, you're not in intimacy, you can't receive God's love, you feel out instead of in, and next thing you know, it's like you're living without him. And yet you want him. He said, truly the the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are what? Few. Somehow, we've gotten away from Jesus' example. He didn't just teach and preach. He healed the sick. Somehow, we've turned laborers into proclaimers. (laughs) Period. You must be saved. You've got to be born again. We're out in bullhorns. You've got to be born again. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your sins. Be born again. I'm not saying nobody's ever got saved that way, but we've forgot the demonstration of power and the love of God, even the prophetic, just the healing of the sick. Jesus taught and preached and healed every disease. I would sure open people up to hear your voice. I've seen it too many times. We've been out in public already. We'll find somebody with a built-up shoe. I'd say, man, what happened? Oh, I was born with a short leg. No way. Do you have a minute to sit on that bench and you lift your voice and you draw a crowd? I, I, I know many times I can remember doing this right now in my mind. Hey, you guys, you're going to love this. It's going to be cool. Look, if you don't have time, fine. But if you do, watch this. this no, don't be embarrassed. It's all right. This is going to be good. You want to see the power of God? You want to see the name of Jesus? He's amazing. This is not a trick. And you show him her shoes. You hold her up. We're on the porch of a restaurant. Prayed for a lady like that. Everybody gathered around. One man come out. No, no, thanks. I know the glory of God. I go to church, man. Thanks. And he's heading out across the lot. And I'm thinking. <laughs> the ladies your body straightens up and her leg just grows all of a sudden there's faith on the porch tears on the porch and people freaked out on the porch right there we turn there's a lady in a wheelchair trying to get past us to get into the restaurant lady pushing her oh my gosh did you just see what happened yeah what's going on it's Jesus can we pray for you hon her caretaker for a lot seven eight years spinal disease hasn't seen her move a muscle we started to pray for her. She's in her chair. She's trying to get up. She can move her bottom half, and she's freaking out. And it just started with this little girl. We stopped on the porch and drew a crowd. And it went bam, bam. And who knows, you can be in a setting. I was, I was at a bus stop and did that. Lifted up my voice real loud, 78, 70 people. And they're all looking at you like you're a flake. Who cares? They don't understand what's about to come. <laughs> doesn't matter if they're looking at you like a flake. What's it matter? <laughs> Yay. You lift up your voice, Patty, and pray out loud. <laughs> no, I just proclaimed Jesus. And I, you know what I did? Honestly, you know what I did at the bus stop? 
I apologized on behalf of the church. I said, forgive us, the church. I represent the church of Jesus Christ. Forgive us, the church, for becoming religious, building buildings on every corner to pay homage to God and expecting you to come. And that if you don't come, there's something wrong with you. Forgive us for not coming out here to you and expressing and revealing a living Christ. Now, who in this crowd is sick and who needs healing? Who has something visual? Step up front. We're going to pray and demonstrate the power of his name. That was fun. Little girl come out of the crowd like this. You mean there's hope for me? 70 people standing there. Hope for you, honey. She said, yeah. For 27 years, crippled in her back from a car accident. She's 30 years old. It happened when she was three. This is a beautiful thing. She was baptized as a young girl. Struggle and life and backslidden. Not even thinking Jesus, but he's down inside, seated in her. And when I'm talking, something drew her. Little VBS, something, whatever. You know what I mean? Serious. And she's like, Jesus, I, I know him. I, I know of him. I've, you know, there was, because here's what happened. Prayed for, everybody's watching. There's a bunch of teens being cynical. And I'm just thinking, that's just so okay. You can be cynical. It doesn't phase Jesus a bit. It doesn't change a thing. So if a man's cynical, is Jesus still Lord? Does he know that? So what's cynical? Oops. So, so you just ignore that. They don't understand. You don't get mad at them. You don't try to correct them. You just demonstrate Jesus because when you demonstrate Jesus and you express true love, it corrects them. You might be amazed how Holy Spirit can correct them even if it's not a demonstration of power just by sincere love and where they're all alone away from their little group where they think second thought in their heart, why do I act that way? That man was sincere. Little thought. Just riding on their bike, heading down the street when they break away from their friends and the strength of their peer group. Just a little thought. Why do you think that way? They think it's their own conscience. I wonder if it's the voice of God. Why do you think that way? Makes them think. Why? Because you set another example. You sow into their life. You bring light into darkness. But this little girl we prayed for, and, and I said, honey, I want you to bend down and touch your toes. She said, sir, I can't bend. I haven't bent for 27 years. I said, I understand that. Why don't you try? Bend down, touch your toes. It was the most beautiful thing. She's in slow motion because she's like, huh? It's okay, babe. She's down there like that. She's crying. She comes up real slow, perplexed. Here's what she said. Everybody's stunned. Everybody's silent. All the mockers. She said, it works. It really, really works. That's what she said. I was like, it works? <laughs> Honey, it's not a method. We didn't, this isn't a gimmick. It's not a method. It's the love of God through Jesus Christ. He loves you. When I said he loves you, she went, <gasps> 
started to share. She's backslidden. She used to know God. She was baptized when she was 12. <laughs> now she's a wreck. And everybody's going. I looked at everybody in the crowd, and I had about four people with me. I said, who in this crowd has sickness? You need healing. Who has? Man, hands shot up everywhere. I said, go get them, guys. And they all went in, and I just ministered to the girl. I said, you want to come home? Why don't you come home to Papa? Come home to Daddy. <laughs> Held her. Oh, it was so sweet. It was just fun. I think Jesus did things like that. He taught in their synagogue. He did really cool things. He stopped a funeral. He'd be like trying to go somewhere and people pull in from the side, wham, and get healed. Or, hey, can you come here? Let's go. It was pretty active. So he didn't just teach and preach. What else did he do? And how many? Wow. Is that in your Bible? So then, after he demonstrates and models that, Jesus the living epistle of love, the one that modeled the life that we're created to follow, right? That we're created to live. He, he's, he's the firstborn. He's our example. He's the truth. He came to set the record straight, guys. He said, follow me. As the Father sent me, I send Come on, we hit all these scriptures for like a week and a half on purpose so that when I teach this today, it's already in us. We, as, the father, as the Father sent me, I send you. You can't find me a limitation there. If you believe in me, the things I do, you will do. John 14. And here's what he did. He went about, taught and preached and healed everybody he bumped into. Whoa. Now watch. Until that's my experience, I won't be satisfied, and I won't back off, because that's my destiny. We do this. Well, see, yeah, but if it was, then they'd have been healed. Well, why weren't they healed? Well, intellectual, intellectual. We back off of the honor of what Jesus said instead of pursuing, walking in, getting free from us, securing our identity, free from self-conscious, free from what people think, free from the cynicism, and walk like Jesus walked. And don't, until we do that, see, we, we don't do that. We back off and say, yeah, but we'll see. But if we were really in the will, God would have healed. Well, you know, they, their pain didn't leave, and I just feel foolish, and I feel... Isn't that what we do? You're loving people. You're stepping out saying, look, I'm taking Jesus at his word. I feel the love. Some of you in this room, you feel the love for people when you're out there. You look at people and care inside. It's in your spirit. You've got to do justice to that. (laughs) And get your hands on somebody. Are you following me? Because Jesus would be like, yes, yay. Their hands on them. They laid their hands on the sick. I'll move through them. I can touch them. We're thinking, well, Jesus, you can just touch them. You're Jesus. He wants to touch them through you. He put his kingdom in us. He He put his kingdom in us and told us to go say the kingdom's here. Growing up, that was heresy. Growing up, that was blasphemy to me. In the circles I grew up in, that was, whoa, that was, meh. <laughs> now here I am. I guess time will tell if I'm a heretic. I guess that day will reveal it. But I know everywhere I look, the kingdom's in me. He preached the kingdom and healed. Healing must be in the kingdom. 
and the kingdom's in us. And he told us to lay our hands on the... Oh my goodness. Why? Because we're the body of... You guys got it, right? There's no way around this thing. It's too clear. It's who we are. We're his. He's ours. It's good. We're one. Is it an accident that he went out and did this and right on the heels of this demonstration and expression? Because there's many other places. It, it's, there's language like this. But right on the heels of this move where he healed all the sick and, and, and all the disease among the people and felt compassion, then he commissions these guys. Is that an accident? Is that on purpose? He demonstrates it and says, okay, now guys, you get to see you're in. And the things I'm doing, you're doing too. So watch what he does. He calls them to himself, verse 1 of chapter 10, and gave them, gave them power, gave them authority. Good deal. Sounds like yesterday's teaching. It's just where we went. I say, gave them power, and you guys write the same table. Authority. And we started talking about it, and we went into the unclean spirit thing, and we never recovered. <laughs> so let's skip over that and say, to heal what? To heal what? Oh, my goodness. How many people do you talk to, even in the church? They say, yeah, but it's been this way for 12 years. Yeah, but you don't understand. It's been here, and it's broke over, and it later, and it healed, and there's scar tissue. And they're explaining the magnitude of their injury in the face of the gospel, like, yeah, but you don't understand. This is a toughie. That's how we think. The fact that we think that in the church exposes a lot, that we have a very low revelation of him being Lord. Because our natural reality becomes so our reality. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but sir, I've been like this for, yeah. In the church, I've heard that countless times to go pray for somebody. Yeah, but I've been like this for 12 years. You don't understand. I've been like this for 12 years. And I, I don't, I'm not sure what we're trying to say in the light of the gospel. Compare the gospel. What's it matter? It's 38 years by the pool, 18 years been over, 12 years with the issue of blood. God covered all that for us in the word. He gave us all those examples and specified the years. Why did God make sure you knew how long they were sick so you never took your sickness and raised it up above his will and his power? Come on. Why would he tack on the time frame so you wouldn't use it to stay the same? <laughs> Are you guys all right? <laughs> He wouldn't have had to do that. He could have said there was a man laying by the pool. There was a woman with the issue of blood. He wouldn't have had to say for 12 years. There was a woman bent over in church. He wouldn't have had to say for 18 years. He's doing that to give us an example so that we don't come up with our own reason why not. I remember being in a Methodist church who asked me to come for revival and I told this story. I won't go in detail, but the lady that, the first lady that came up, the Lord said, I want to do miracle. And I, I just preached on why we were Christians the first night. I just preached the heart of God in sending his son. And the place was undone. They're sitting there crying. They never heard anything like it. They just heard, make sure you stay in church and be good people. That's all they knew. And they were good people to the best they could be. When they were singing out of their hymnals, I'm looking around and God said, he said, look at these people. I'm looking around. I'm there for a four-day revival and I'm looking around and they're singing out of their hymnals and they're singing, boy. 
There were some of the elderly folks there. there they loved them old songs. and that hymn. They were just singing with all their heart. God said, these people love me as much as anybody you know. That's what he told me. As much as anybody I know. He said, but they're loving me the only way they know. He said, in fact, some of them are doing more with what they know than the people that know so much. And there was this honor that came over. I felt like I just knelt. I was like, oh God. But he was telling me, you honor these people. You love these people. Don't you stereotype these people. You see what I see. when you see. And he opened my eyes. I'm looking and I just had this great love for the people. Because you can think, oh, Methodist Church, you know, yeah, really in religion, really. That's sinful. That's, that's not how God sees those people. They're doing the best with what they've been taught. It's all they know. So why not give them some more understanding if they're going to be so diligent? It's probably why I was there then, God. Because the lady, when they called me and invited me, I said, listen, I'm not trying to put things on my schedule. I got enough things going as a pastor. I said, so when you say revival, I need to know what you mean. Because if you say revival to me, I need to bring Jesus like I know him. And she said, sir, we just want God in our church. Could you please come? I was like, inside, I was like, <laughs> but on the outside, I was like, well, you know what? Yeah, I will. That, that sounds awesome. It'll sound like that'll be an honor. I will come. And inside, I'm going, oh. <laughs> I was really excited. <laughs> it's fun going into an atmosphere like that because normally the atmosphere is a minute like this where I want to teach and train and equip, get people involved. It's fun every once in a while just walking in an atmosphere where they don't have a clue and just doing what Jesus did, just preach, demonstrate, and then get them involved. Because the first lady that came up, I, at the end, I just preached on Jesus and why he came. I didn't say one word about healing or the supernatural. I really didn't. And the Lord, right at the end, said to me, I want to do a miracle in front of them, a visual call somebody up and I, I made the I need somebody that's visually impaired you have a situation and and God wants to fix it and they're all like because I said it pretty boldly and the lady came up like this that's just how she came you know how long she was walking like that 25 years and when I went to pray for her and smiled at her and told her I was going to take her hands and the Spirit of God's going to come through you and you're going to march. And she said, son, I've been like this 25 years. That was the first thing out of her mouth. And I said, honey, 25 days, 25 weeks, 25 months, 25 years. He's Jesus. He's the Lord. <laughs> Stuff that comes out of you. <laughs> but, but God had spoke to me. I'm going to do this. I wasn't even trying to believe. It was a gifting thing. It wasn't even my faith. It was just God already spoke to me. I'm going to do this. I'm like, this is done. You see what I mean? He said, Psst, Dan, I want to do a miracle. What? That sounds cool. He's like, yeah. I said, okay. You know, I got my little headset on. I want to do a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Communication coming through. It was just fun. They told me in that fall revival, on the fourth night, there was about six people there on the fourth night. It started off with 25 and ended with six. She's seen it as low as four. She said she just, they just want change. They just don't want to go through this fall revival and, and have 25 on the Sunday night and then and by Wednesday have nobody. 
and they just want God. On the last night, they're, they're, you know, them churches got them pews. They hold a lot of folks. There was nowhere to sit. They were standing along the back wall. Oh, no. oh it was fun. <laughs> but you know what happened that day? Them phones started ringing. And they said, Shirley marching around the church. They said, Shirley? Yeah, Shirley's marching around the church. Shirley marching? Yeah. And then they shared a couple other things. This guy had a hernia. It was a huge hernia. It just went, just sucked shut. Why? He was sitting in his chair. I was not responsible. I didn't even pray for him. It was just God. He just came in and said, man, these people love me. They're doing the best with what they got. They invited Dan to come. And he said, I'm going to bring Jesus like I know him. And they said, okay. So I ought to come like he knows me. It was fun. (laughs) Guy couldn't drive. Drove home at night with his family behind the wheel. Just saw that in North Carolina. Lady had that night vision thing. Hasn't drove in the dark for years. Drove home. Drove home. She uh, came to church. Said she was going to have to leave. I said, let's just pray for your eyes. She just, I don't know how people know. She just said, I know God touched me. God did something. I'm just staying the whole service. I'm going to believe when I go out in the dark, I can see and drive. So that was faith. And I said, wow, that's cool. I don't object to that. Who knows in the back of your mind, you're not in unbelief. You're thinking it's not that big of a deal. Somebody could take her home if she can't drive, but I'm believing she can. But to her, she wasn't thinking an op, like somebody will take me home. She's thinking, I get out there, I'm driving. Man. Yeah. This is good. So, yeah. Becky? Um, sometimes when I'm sharing the gospel, there is, there's this um, attitude that, um, you know, I don't need a savior. There, how do you um, bring, you know, and, and repentance can't even take place unless there's a conviction of sin. So, you, you know, how do you bring a person in, you know, some, I, you know, I don't, I'm good. No, thanks. I'm good. So, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. do, you see what I mean? Uh-huh. Without, I totally without do. Without going into the... To I'm not, the I, and I know there's stuff out there trying to convict people of sin. I, Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Holy Spirit's the one that does that. I don't even try to do that. I give people the goodness of God. That's what I do. You'd be amazed. I could tell you a lot of stories. Hey, of, of people... We, we have, uh, what's the conference? Well, I was going to say we have, I didn't want anybody to hear it wrong. I was going to say we have beautiful women coming. <laughs> I just didn't want anybody to hear it wrong. <laughs> beautiful one. Isn't that the name of the conference? They're coming to the conference, beautiful one. So they must have popped into school. <laughs> I was like, God, how do I say this and get away with it? <laughs> like, wow, we got beautiful women coming. Listen, I, because when you're trying, when you have an agenda to try to convict of sin, I think that's why we bump into this. I don't, I don't have an agenda, even though I want every man to see their need for a Savior. I totally want everybody to see their need for a Savior. But my place is to say, preach to them the kingdom's here and show them. That's my place. My place is to give them the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. 
deep down in people's hearts, sometimes, Martha, when, when you're asking that and they say, hey, I'm good, I'm good, they're just trying to avoid confrontation. You might be amazed what's going on inside of people. How God's already wooing, drawing. Some people are on the run and they have a language. I was that way. Man, I was so lost in my 20s. But if you'd have tried to hand me a track, I would have actually said, wow, thank you. What's your name, Jennifer? Well, hey, my name's Dan. I'm, I'm, man, I'm one of you. I mean, I know Jesus died on the cross for my remission of sin. But good for what you're doing. Bless you. In fact, give me an extra one. Man, I can give it to somebody on my way to the car. I would have been that wicked. And I'd have turned the corner and went, Whatever. That's exactly me in my 20s. And we think, oh, praise, bless your heart. Just as easy somebody could be out there when you're just doing it doctrinally, just going with the flow. Oh, God, I can tell they're going to press me and follow me down the street. Look, what do you need me to pray? What do I need to do? Well, just pray this with me. It's just a simple prayer. Okay, how long could that take? I mean... That stuff's going on when we're just, when we have an agenda. What about the goodness of God? What about a viable touch of the love of God? So asking the Lord for, for, for stuff. Todd's great at that in a situation like that. Uh, he, he's really great at that. He has faith for that and that's been built in him. When somebody talks like it to him, I've stood there, I've watched it a hundred times. He, he'll just tell them what they're thinking, where, where they're hurting, who's pressing their life. Something that stops them in their tracks. Now you say, well, I, I can't have it. Well, love reveals. If we're out there with an agenda, you could cross the line of love. Love doesn't have an agenda but to love. If you have the agenda to try to get them to convict them of sin, you might press them against grace, against the grain of where they're at. You might try, try to reap them. They might be in the womb of God, being cultivated and nurtured by God, and you're trying to snatch them out, birth them, when you might supposed to be just water some seed that was sown. See, we're under compulsion in our evangelistic mindsets that we got to get the whole world saved. No, we need to love the world and give the world the goodness of God so Holy Spirit can save the world. And some people, you're going to reap where you haven't even sown. See, that proves there's a sowing process taking place. We're supposed to be sowing into the hearts of men, sowing into the hearts of men, watering the hearts of men. And all of a sudden, one of us just reaps somebody we've never met before. Why? Because somebody's been faithful to love, to sow, to minister, and Holy Spirit's working, and boom, the labor contraction's been going on, and oh, they're born. Because they've been laying on their bed, and, and a touch from a year ago is just coming through them every once in a You don't realize that process. And sometimes when people are in the middle of that, and they're fighting that, they almost seem more frustrated than ever, but there's something going on. And you could bump into them and read them face value and miss the working of Holy Spirit, feel like you failed, feel like you didn't do good enough, feel like because you have an agenda. If you have an agenda, you're set up to fail. If you love, you can't fail. Are you following me? Come on, if I'm walking in love, I have no agenda but to love you. I can't fail. It's not about missing it. Oh, did I do right? Did I do good? 
Man, Father can fine-tune my expression. He can groom my heart along the way. But if I'm out there to just love you, if I'm walking in and I have no pretense, I just notice somebody get a little impression and I stop at the door and I run over and say, hey, excuse me. I do it. I do it a lot. Hey, excuse me. Man, when I saw you, I got this impression. What do you mean? Let me share it. Wham. (gasps) What? (laughs) Who knows? Who knows that you, you have... You have a wide open door now. (laughs) You see what I mean? So my goal isn't just to go convict the world of sin. That's what Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit's here to convict the world of sin. So if I walk up to somebody and I'm gracious and loving and they've just been horrible and nasty to their wife and I tell a man, you're awesome. Who knows that's just how God would prophesy to somebody who's just been nasty to their wife. Man, you're awesome. Jesus really loves you. He has a great calling for you, man. And I appreciate that you let me just pray for you. Man, I want to hug you. God bless. And all you do is love him. And he gets to his car and feels rotten because in front of his face is just how he treated his wife. And he realizes, oh, my God, that man just loved me. And, I'm just, and he could break down right in the car and cry right there and, say, and repent. My God, he, if he'd only knew. But see, God did know what he just said to his wife. <laughs> and he wasn't saying to me, prophesy and rebuke him and tell him he's a toad and unless he changes, I'm going to turn him into a worse than toad. <laughs> no, Holy Spirit say and love him. What turns men to repentance? The goodness of God. How do you overcome evil? It's good. What triumphs over judgment? Whoa. Sounds like the whole world is a landing strip for mercy. Because until they repent, they deserve judgment. But it sounds like heaven's saying, show mercy. Oh, I'm preaching good. I hope you're getting it. <laughs> I know it's true. We, we have to get rid of our agendas. We don't have a motive but to love. The motivation to be is love. Is that why Jesus did everything he did? I don't have a need to set you straight. That comes across self-righteous and presumptuous. People feel like, well, you just want me to be what? Like you? You just need me to believe what you believe? That's arrogant. No, give them a reason to believe. They'll think that's arrogant. You can be sincere in your heart. They'll perceive it as arrogant. It's just loving people. That's why healing is, is mentioned so many times. Go to heal the sick. How many times does Jesus tell us to go heal the sick in the commissions? Right? You can find it in Matthew 10, in, in, in Luke 10. You can find it in Matthew 20, Mark 16. Matthew 28 just says, go make disciples, but teach them everything I've taught you. So what he's saying is, go out and teach men to follow me and do what I do by watching what you do, because you do, through what I've done, pass it on. We've turned it into getting people to pray a prayer to go to heaven. Jesus was restoring people's lives and ministering to their being. I've seen countless people healed. Guys, they swear after they're healed. They're so shocked they curse. And God knows they're going to curse before he heals them. Who heals them, us or Jesus? So the Father comes and heals them, right? Through Jesus, through us. Was God surprised when they swore? Did it catch him off guard? That's amazing. That's all. What a God. 
Why don't we get that? Man, we should, the, the more ugly they appear, we should almost, I believe, we should probably gravitate to them. The more lost they seem, it should be the bigger they are in our heart. Not repulsive and, oh God, you need to do a work in them. <laughs> they need to repent. You ain't gonna touch them with a 10-foot pole. I ain't even gonna bother praying because you ain't even gonna come the way they're acting. Are you kidding? That's exactly why he'll come. It's exactly why he'll come. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Some of us, I think, we forget that while we were yet sinners, <laughs> it wasn't your righteous act that saved you. It was the mercy of God and the wooing of your heart. He turned us to him. Nobody just woke up one day in their own strength and self-righteousness and said, I think I'm going to be a son of God. <laughs> think I'm going to live right today and impress him. Yeah, I think I'm just going to live up to my calling. <laughs> it's so twisted. <laughs> What did he do? He gave him what? He gave him power, authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. In verse 7, he said, as you go, go say the kingdom of God. We've covered this. Got a lot of visitors. We, 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 we covered this twice now in the school. Where's the kingdom of God? It's in us. Can I use you again? I used you the other day. I just want to nail this thing down. So, what, so I'm not looking here, I'm not looking there, the kingdom is where? And we're supposed to go preach saying the kingdom of God is here. It's a concept that he wants you to grab. It's not that that's the language you have to use, you, you could weird somebody out. Hello, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, now that can come out of your mouth, you can say that. But it's a concept he wants you to understand. I've used it after I've ministered. Well, it's because the kingdom is here, let me explain. But watch what he's actually saying. So I'm passing by her and I say, well, hello. The kingdom of God is, you know what that hand means? Is near you, is at reach, is here. Okay, guess what you're saying? Watch what you're saying. The kingdom of God is near you. Where is it? About two feet away. Amen. Hey, the kingdom of God's here. Where is it? You're looking at it. Do you see why you need security and identity in Christ to be able to carry the kingdom? Because we're going to be like, who, me, and have the devil lying to us. Well, who, me? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't move much in the prophetic. Well, I'm not this and that. You can move in love. You're all free to go in love. You follow me? It's not about your gifting. It's about the most excellent way. And you're the most excellent way of release gifting. Come on. Okay, you got to see this quick. Go to Corinthians 12, real quick. Real, 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 real quick. You there? Watch this. Verse 31 of Corinthians 12. But earnestly, that's a serious word. Be sincere. Earnestly. Not half heartedly. Earnestly. Desire the what? The best gifts. What's the best gifts? The one that's needed at the time. You have access to all of them, guys. You can flow in any one of them as necessary according to God's will. In other words, Holy Spirit, all the gifts are encompassed in Holy Spirit, in the person of Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit's in us. 
So I have personally, by the grace of God, without even being taught the gifts, when I started to be taught the gifts, I was saved, moved in, I think every one of the gifts before I ever sat under teaching about them. And it was like, whoa, that's what that was. And then the church put names to it and gave me understanding of what it was. But to me, I just had all those experiences. I was saved for a year and a half and I went to a ministry school, that thing we did every once a week, that ministry school. I just went and sat in on it. I didn't even sign up and do the assignments. I found that I had done the assignments. I had found that when when they were teaching, it was refreshing because I didn't hear teaching and then go try to apply it or become it. I spent time in Jesus and found that I was already rolling and all this stuff and the church actually had explanation for it. And I was like, this is sweet. I was like, man, already, well, that's, that's what that was. That was a word of knowledge. That was a working of miracles. And I was a year old in the Lord year and a half and and could look at the gifts and and see that I had moved in all those gifts. I was in my bedroom praying in tongues, felt extra inspired in tongues. What's going on? I'm praying in tongues because I would pray in tongues a lot. I woke up the day after I got saved praying in tongues. I'm there praying in tongues and it just seemed different. And I'm like, what's going on? And all of a sudden I'm praying out English and it was God speaking to me in my bedroom through tongues and interpretation. And I'm like, is this really happening? My mind is freaking out and my heart's going, oh, oh, I love you too. And I'm just saying, oh my God. He's talking personally to me through the gift of tongues and interpretation in my bedroom. It's happened to me dozens of times. Nobody ever taught me that. I'm just worshiping, I love you, God. Oh, doors closed, you're not there. Intimacy, being me, not what I am when I'm around you. Because it's not important for me to be that way then. It's important for me to be clear and sharp. And, but I tell you what, you close the door, it's, it's on. It's just me and him and you ain't there. Ah. <laughs> See, I'm about ready to leave right now. I love you guys, but I'm about ready to leave. I'm feeling it now. I'm, a, I'm getting gushy. <laughs> Oh my goodness, stop, <laughs> please. <laughs> well, so, you're, so you're there worshiping and all of a sudden, and you suffer. And next thing you know, this English is so loud and clear and it's coming out of your mouth and you realize it's God speaking through your spirit to your understanding. And you're standing there trembling in the love and presence of Almighty God, knowing you're the desire of his heart, the focus of his eye. Yay. (laughs) See what's wrong with me? I'm a believer. (laughs) It's all that's wrong with me. I'm a believer. Believer of the right things. We're all believers. It's just what are we believing? (laughs) I wasn't mean it was just true you got to fine tune your eye because if your eye's single if all you can see is truth you all you might hear other things but if all you see is truth your whole body you get that didn't you Randy that was good you might hear other things but if all you see is him your whole body's flooded with light. Doesn't say unless, of course, you're faced with many challenges and issues and people are acting crazy. It says if you see clear, you'll live clear. Oh, you get it? 
Oh my goodness, I love you, Jesus. I do, I feel really good. Earnestly, what? Earnestly desire what? The best gifts. Father, I thank you for whatever's necessary today. This is an example. I'm just giving you communion with the Lord. Come on. It's important to wake up in the morning and not be self-consumed and let your prayer list be about stuff you need. You, you got to grow beyond that. I'm not being mean. It's not wrong to ask for things and things to be in line and, and, and thank God for the promotion that's coming that would really help your family. I'm not saying it's wrong, that stuff. I'm just talking about using your faith to get all your ducks in a row and your day circumstantially convenient. Let's get off of that and get more in tune with why the Spirit of God's in us so that we can be effective in our life to people. So it's something like this. It's not, it's desiring. Father, I thank you. I'm one with you. My heart is to walk in love. Father, I thank you that today I'll see what you see and hear what you're saying. When I look at people, I thank you that you release a grace in me to see exactly what you want to do. I thank you I can see their value. I can hear your voice concerning their life and every gift necessary to impact them is available and in me and I thank you for the flow of it. God, it's so good to be a son. Thanks for making me alive in you. It's prayer. That's prayer. And you're driving to work. Thank you for this job, Lord. I know sometimes I feel like I seem unthankful or I'm a little bit irritated at certain things in this environment, but you're maturing me and growing me and it really is a tool to provide and it brings income. But God, most important, there's people there. And, and God, I'm asking that I could just move in a way and be used vitally to love them, effectively to manifest you and reveal you. Let my character be exemplary. God, let me walk in true virtue and let the moral excellence of my life just open the ears of of, of, of them and Lord thank you that I have what it takes to impact them by your spirit there's a way to be conscious of that and desire earnestly desire but the more you release that in faith the more grace comes the more you express that out of your heart you make confession unto salvation it's not just wanting it it's, it's getting in communion it's, it's, it's looking in the mirror God I see who you are in me Man, and you just start to make some prophetic, just ah, and you go to work and you're in right identity. You're not dreading the boss, you're not dreading your co worker because they've been acting strange. You're actually glad to walk in there because love is consuming you. Man, I used to hate going to work, and I got born again, I was transformed. I couldn't wait to go to work. I literally. Worked there two and a half years until they asked me to step on pastoring. And after two years of that, ministry was confusing me a little. And I wasn't sure about ministry. And I felt violated in a lot of things behind the scenes. Felt like church. Felt like a business at times. I, I had a hard time adjusting to some things. And in two years, I just went back out into the workplace just because I wanted to go out and get where it was dark so I could be light. Everything was Christian around me. And it was just kind of every conversation, even if people weren't thinking God because they were at church, they were talking like God. They would call on the phone and they'd use language. It was Christianese all around me. I was like, I just, it, everything's Christian. They were like, what? It's just, everything's Christian. I need to go out into the world. What? Are you backsliding? No, I'm going to go manifest him. <laughs> I just, and then I had people that were like, well, I wish I was in your shoes, man. I wish I was in a Christian atmosphere. I was just, I, my coworkers were all Christian. Jesus doesn't want all your coworkers Christian. <laughs> he wants you Christian so your coworkers can know him through you. He just wants you to pray to get out of your workplace because of the way they talk. <laughs> oh my goodness, are you guys all right? 
<laughs> you want, you got a comment? Wherever the mic is. Oh, there it is. Thanks, little buddy. You were saying about the workplace, you know, they want to get out of it because uh, I want to work in a Christian environment. The other side of that is I've been there in a Christian environment and they, you know, they're better off where they're at because I know I've worked in a few and sometimes you expect more from them. Right. You're saying it isn't all that Christian anyway. No. <laughs> so, when you're told so, to lie, I'm not here. Right. But what, it's hard. Well, what the key is, you have to see, and, and that's a good thought you're bringing up, because here's what people do is, then they, they, you can, if you're in Patty's shoes, you can let your heart get hurt towards true expression of Christianity. You can begin to judge the people. You can think they're hypocrites. Now you even dread going to work because you think you have a Christian atmosphere, but it's not what it was panned out to be. So all those things play a part in your soul. You have to see them rightly. So if anything, you have mercy. You live a higher standard. You bring conviction into their lives. You're not projecting on them. You're just living Christ. Like if I was working with you and you were a Christian, you would either be convicted by my life. If you were in that place, you'd either be convicted by my life or you'd resent me. It would be one or the other because I'm not going to change. I love you. I'm not going to compromise Jesus. You see what I mean? So I would either put conviction in your heart and and give you the grace for change or put resentment and and willfulness in you because you would shut down and because of where your heart would be. That doesn't mean I'm doing wrong. You see what I'm saying? I'm called to love and to live in Christ, to live in Jesus. But you have to be careful that you don't let your atmosphere mold you. And that even though they're Christians, see, because that natural knowledge can really mess somebody up. Well, if this is what Christianity is, no, it's not. And then we compromise. Well, if this is what Christianity is, then da-da-da-da-da. Next thing you know, you're living like they're imparting instead of you living a higher standard. See, I went into the workplace two years into pastoring, and a lot of people didn't understand it. I had some confusion about ministry. I wasn't sure that I I, I wanted to be in the position I was in. I had a lot of administrative stuff to do. And my heart is just to love people, and there's a grace on administration, and there's a purpose for it. And I honor people like Sue and people. I don't have that in me that she has. That's what makes us one. That's what makes us complete. She's amazing with the school, administrative, and details and stuff. I am so not that. I'm just rather like, give me your hand, let's pray kind of person not that she can't she's that way too but she carries administration I don't and I don't tell her not to lay hands on me but (laughs) I just I do that jokingly because actually it would probably be beneficial to have a little bit of that in me because I have none of it in me but I can love you let's get it on you see what I mean so I went to the workplace Let me give you a good example. So I go to the workplace, it's orientation night. It's our first night on the job. I'm just me, I go in, everybody's quiet. It's society, it's people. It's, they're bummed out because they need a job but now they have one and they have to be there so they're bummed out. Are you following me? They need a job. They didn't have one but now they have one and now they have to be there and they're not happy. I'm thinking, this is awesome. We, we got a job. I had a job. I actually left pastoring. The job I went to, I didn't even realize until I got my first paycheck that it was $900 less a month than when I was pastoring. <laughs> I, found, I didn't even think about it because I just wanted to go to the workplace, so I didn't do the math. <laughs> now, see, that's pretty innocent. 
It's, it's just pure because I, I felt like God was telling me to go to that place because I was praying about some things and he said, why don't you go there and work for a season? Because I, I was unsettled in some things. I needed some time. I needed to walk some things out. He told me where to go. I called and uh, got right in. It was amazing. I got an interview. The guy had an interview. Here's how my whole thing started. Watch how you walk in Jesus. We're doing the interview. I get to the last question or two and Bill the human resource guy says, now, Dan, now I'm at my job interview. You know, you try to, you know, think in the natural, put on a good show, be a certain way. I'm just me. I'm not going to try to fabricate anything to get a job. They're going to hire me because they're getting me. So I just went and sat down. He's after I talk about the Lord freely. He asked me a couple questions. I brought the Lord into like a freely. He said, Dan, I need you to answer this last guy. I could tell he was frustrated with me. The interviewer, it didn't look like I was doing good. He said, I, I want you to, tr- to answer this last question just from you with that. Leave the Lord, as- put the Lord aside. And I want you, and I said, you're kidding me, right? How do I put the Lord aside when he's transformed my life? And he said, in fact, Bill, now watch what I did. It came up, it's authority. I wasn't planning this. I didn't see a thing up until now. I'm not even looking for anything. I'm just trying to get this job and be me. I took the folder that he had on a file I said, in fact, Bill, I'm done with this interview. And I reached over and he just sat up and I pushed it to the side and this intensity came on me in seriousness. I'm eyeballing him straight in the eyes. I said, in fact, I see that you're a man that have walked with the Lord and when the disappointments came into your family and marriage of this and this, you walked away and you've never been back to him since and you think about it all the time and someone like me is provoking you to that conviction and ah, and I'm going across the table. He's sliding back and I'm, and I'm just coming out of me like... Ah, I said, Bill, I need to pray for you. I'm going over the table. I'm not joking. And he's sliding back. No, not here. Not right now. No, no. And I said, Bill, it, he said, look, I'm on staff. My supervisors, what will they say? I don't want you to get me in trouble. I said, I'm not here to get you in trouble. I'm here to bless you. I'll flip off the light. No one will see. I've got to pray for you. He says, stop. No, not now. And I backed off. I'm like, sat down. But see, because I'm sincere, I, I, I love, I'm, I'm not just there to get a job. There's more going on in life than about me. I'm not being mean. I'm just talking plain. Is it okay if I talk plain? There's a bigger picture than me, myself, and I. And part of that picture is Bill sitting right across from me. And I'm not going to just try to do everything right so he hires me. I'm just going to be me. And all of a sudden, God's ministering to the man that's in the position to hire me. And I got him backing up in the chair. And then, and then I just said, okay, man, well, look, we're pretty much done this interview. Please. And blah, 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 blah. And I, I left. I got home. He has a message on my machine that I'm hired. So I called him back, thank you so much. Listen, man, I talked to you, didn't want to talk much. Because I was still after that word. Listen, man, I was trying to go after him again. I'm coming through the phone. I think he thought I was going to come out of the phone. (laughs) Because I was trying to get him. Jesus loves him. He's been deceived for how many years? Just throwing away destiny, throwing away legacy. And God isn't mad at him. God's heart is groaning for him to see and come back. 
And I went into the job and I'm at orientation and everybody's sitting around and it was so funny. I, I walked over to this guy and I said, I'm not understanding the sign. I said, are we supposed to? He says, yeah, yeah. He's like almost frustrated with me for asking, for speaking. He said, yeah, he's just sign in. I said, okay. And I, and I go over and something else happened. I had to ask something else and somebody looked at me with the same way and I said out loud, I said, this is the room for orientation, like for the first time employees. This is our first night. Am I in the right room? And everybody's looking up like, what is wrong with you? Just sit down, man. And I said, well, I was just confused because everybody looks so sad and depressed. I just think we'd be thankful if we had jobs because if it's your first night, it means you didn't work. I, I just thought I expected a different atmosphere and I would just thought there was thankfulness here that somebody was glad. And they're like, Dude, where, what planet are you? And they're like hiding behind their magazines and turning their head. They're like freaked out by me, right? So, and I didn't do anything wrong. I was just, I was just making a point. And I sit down and I'm sitting at a table with a bunch of guys and they're cursing and talking just like a group of guys would when Jesus isn't sitting at the table in their mind. And I'm just sitting there and I'm not preaching. I'm not trying to say, oh, you shouldn't talk like that. Oh, stop that language. That offends God. I'm not like that. I'm just sitting there and I'm just listening and I'm thinking, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so they come in, orientation. He wanted everybody to go around the room, stand up, share your name, where you're from, and like a hobby or an interest just to kind of break the ice and get everybody to know each other. I'm not kidding you. People literally would stand up with a newspaper in their hand or a magazine and go, yeah, my name's Bill, man. I'll just live down the road. Just, yeah. It was that bad. Like you couldn't even understand half of them. They would just like blah, 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 and sit down. Like wah, 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 wah. So then it gets to me, right? <laughs> I stand up. I'm like, hey guys, it's just uh, good to be here. My name is so-and-so. And, uh, Man, I'm just really thankful. Actually, I was a pastor for the last two years, uh, and I just felt in my heart to get back into the workplace and work with my hands to get around some folks. I'm still pastoring, you know, on the weekends and stuff, but and taking appointments, but I just felt like getting in the workplace, uh, and I'm really privileged to be hired here, and I'm really looking forward to getting to know you guys. So it's an honor to be here, and, and uh, I just want you to know as far as a hobby or anything, I just want to let you know Jesus transformed my life. I love him with all my heart. Jesus is amazing to me. And uh, yeah, he's won me over. So God bless you. Looking forward to getting to meet you guys. And I sat down and it was like I had leprosy. <laughs> they're like, they're turning away from me on their chairs. Oh, it was so fun. Because I'm not preaching at them. I'm not Bible bashing. I'm not telling them repent and be saved or you're going to hell. I'm just being real. And they're not used to people having joy in their heart. They're not used to people having sincerity in their life. They're not used to people just communicating freely. Unless it's you bleepity bleeping, blank and blank. And... See, that's all undercover. That's all just cover over stuff. That's just because, yeah. So, so they pick teams, right? So there's eight people on a team. It's an incentive. It's a teamwork place. You're working incentive. You're on teams. So they start picking out these teams and they picked out these uh, bunch of teams and split the guys up by eight and they have all these team leaders and, and trainers. And then they got number one on the team, two on the team, three, and everybody is looking, waiting for their eight to fill up so it isn't me. <laughs> It's so funny. I'm sitting there and I could see them. They're like, oh. Because they'd, they'd say, okay, and to team so-and-so. And they'd name a name and they're like, oh, it wasn't him. Oh, it wasn't him. And, and this one team filled up and got their eight and they were like, yes. They're like, he's not on our team. It was hilarious. 
just how uncomfortable one little expression made the whole room. I thought, we are going to have a blast in this place. All of a sudden, I get picked on a team. It's a bunch of young guys, and they're like, oh, my God. They're, they're literally like, and everybody's looking at them going, <laughs> it was that obvious. They're laughing, going, ah, you got the freak. <laughs> you got the religious dude. <laughs> So we go out on the floor to train. This first night, Jesus is, he's my hero. I, I love Jesus so much. See, if you don't have identity, that all bothers you. And you don't fit in and you're odd man out. Are you kidding me? I am in the kingdom. They don't understand. I am having the time of my life. I wake up completely blessed and free every day. What do I care if they don't understand for a minute and project and don't understand when I'm free? Hello? Oh, we ought to just get free. Because you know what? That atmosphere bothers most Christians. It didn't bother me at all. And we're training and we're out there and he's walking across the floor and he's teaching. And it's a job I did for 15 years. I could have trained every one of them. So it was a real humble place for me because the guy that was training me has only done the job for two years. I've done it for 15 and, and I could have done everything, right? But I'm just humbly walking along and, and, and this guy has the flu so bad that he doesn't look alive. I mean, he's hurting. We're on the job. It's instinctive to say, man, can I pray for you? But he's training with the team. I just stayed quiet. Can't explain it. I just didn't go after him. We're on the clock, we're just, and I just didn't go after him, and, 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 I, and I understood why later. It just didn't, I just didn't, it would be easy for me to say, listen, man, this young kid came to me a month later crying about his relationship with his girlfriend, asked if I could pray for him. I watched two supervisors get saved, cry, went to one's apartment, God froze him on the couch. He called in the morning, we played his message over and over and cried in the kitchen. God showed me he was suicidal. I fronted him in the aisle. He said, what does it show? I said, no, you're a great hypocrite, man. It doesn't show at all. I said, but Jesus knows. How can you possibly know? Because Jesus knows. He said, I think we need to talk. I think we do. I went to his apartment. He got totally wrecked. God wrecked him, froze him on the couch, knocked him out. He woke up like hours later in the most peace he's ever felt. I had another supervisor on the floor in his office, trembling, shaking. The bill fella that I pushed the folder aside. I'm there two months. He calls me in his office on the intercom. I didn't recognize his voice. I didn't even think about the office. I just ran off the floor because it's a fast atmosphere. And I walk in, he's standing at his desk, trembling. Two months after I pushed the folder to the side. Two months. Seed, baby. Holy Ghost. <laughs> see, see, or, or, or I'm just, well, I wonder, I'm just not an effective minister. I wonder what I could have done better. I know I should have just, I had a chance with Bill. Maybe I blew it. Maybe I, what are we doing? Hello? I don't live that way. I don't even want the capacity to think that way. That's the way the devil thinks. I'm not being mean. I'm being real. Fault finding, criticizing, nitpicking. Tearing your own soul apart, introspecting and coming up with negative review. When God looks at you, he doesn't see negative. Yeah. He sees you're worth his blood. See, the whole time, that whole two months, what was Holy Spirit doing? 
And guess who he called to the office in two months and gave the honors? I didn't even realize it was Bill's office because they were shifting and moving and he just called me to this office. It was a room number and I ran in and, and the human resource, head of human resource was in this office. She's a Christian lady praying for the whole warehouse. When she met me and found out that I was there, she just cried and cried and cried and said, you're the answer to my prayers. Because she was praying that God would show up on the floor out there. Now watch, the kingdom of God is here. That is not blasphemous, if you believe it. I ran in the office and I went, Bill, he's standing at his desk. I said, what's up, man? He didn't look good. He's trembling. He's got, he's real shiny, bald, shaved head. He's sweat pouring down. He said, I need to come back to God. I need to come back to God. And, and I said, he said, I thought you'd be a good person to call. And, I, and that's just what I said, oh, my. I just didn't even say a word to him. I just put my hand on his nice, shiny head. It was shiny. I thought, the glory's already on you, brother. Here's all I said. Watch what I said. The mercy of God. Father, if he's touched anything unclean, if he's been in any position you've never desired to call him, wash him and make him clean. And he went, <laughs> collapses on the floor. He's laying there in a ball. In his office. And I ran out the hall and I leaned into Jonah. I said, hey, Bill's on the floor in a ball, shaking in the presence of God. He came back home. <gasps> you girls are great. She's Because she's in faith. She's believing. She's sincere. She's... <gasps> I said, you go love on him, hug him in a little, check on him, encourage him, pray for him, whatever. I got to get back out on the floor. <gasps> I'm out on the floor 45 minutes, an hour or something like that, working. This man touches me from behind. I turn and he just grabs me. He's holding me. He looks like a totally different man. And he's out on the open floor holding me. First night, training. Flu, sickness. He's standing there. He's training. I didn't notice this. I didn't notice what was happening. It's amazing what happened. I wasn't even believing for this. His bosses came to take him home because other guys were saying he's like a walking dead man. He shouldn't be here. He's trying to be too committed. He needs to get home. When they come to get him, they said, you don't look that bad. I didn't even notice. Now watch, this is, I'm not exaggerating this an ounce. This is, that would be sin. This is exactly how it happened. I'm standing there watching this whole thing, and it's, it's seven others. It's eight of us. And we're watching, and Jim's standing right here. They come up, and I'm watching, and they said, Jim, he said, I'm standing right here, just listening. I'm, I'm so unaware of what's about to happen. He said, no, I was bad. He said, I did feel half dead, and I, I didn't want to leave because I know you need us here, and I was trying to hold in there. But he said, actually, I'm, he said, well, they said, well, how? Man, did you, what'd you take, man? Because you look really good right now. And he said, I don't even feel sick right now. He said, well, what happened? He said, I don't know. It has to do with him. And uh, I'm standing there like, he blamed it on me. Watch, watch what he said. He doesn't know. He just perceived because he said, it has to do with him. And I'm looking at him like, me? I wasn't believing for this. I'm just in position for this. He said, I just noticed I was standing around him earlier and something was happening. I was feeling better. So I made sure he said, did you notice? He looked right at me. Did you notice that in every place we went, in every circle of training, 
I came over and stood right beside you? I said, yeah, I did. I didn't think much of it. He said, it's because I noticed when I was standing beside you, there was something. He was feeling the anointing of God, the presence of God. It was liberating him. So by sheer faith, he just was standing near me. Now that was God showing off who he is in people for the unsaved. That's fun. I had total access to the guy. I got working. Bumped into a forklift driver. Hey, Mike. Man, when I passed by you, this is what came up in my heart. What do you mean it came up in your heart? Let me tell you. Wham. He starts bawling on his forklift. You don't cry in a warehouse like that. If any of you men ever worked in a warehouse like that, you know what I mean. You don't show weakness. They'll eat you for lunch. They will never forget the day you cry. They will, they will draw pictures. They will <laughs> yell on the intercom. They will put them up. I'm telling you. And he's bawling on the forklift. And I watched that several, several, several times. On the day I left there, the Lord told me to go back to the office. I didn't even know at the time if that was possible, and it was. And <clears throat> I ignored him. I was having so much fun. And I was still not sure about ministry. That when the Lord said, Dan, I want you back in the office, I acted like I didn't even hear him. And that's not my relationship with the Lord. I don't do that. But boy, I did it that time. And uh, I said, thank you. Well, that was so good. You're a good girl. <laughs> Everybody's wondering, what is he talking about? And uh, he's so gracious and so merciful. I'm working, and he said, Dan, I want you back in the office. It's time. And I'm like, <whistles> he let almost, it was like close to two weeks go by. I'm pretty sure it was almost two weeks. And I'm at work again. And he said, Dan, now who knows that I knew he said that and I have not forgotten that. Yeah. <laughs> who knows that is gnawing at me yes. for two weeks. <laughs> he says, Dan, yeah, I want you back. <laughs> I just start crying. I said, but Lord, I'm having so much fun here. It's so nice. I don't understand ministry. I just don't ministry. <laughs> you know how we are. He said, Dan, ministry is simple. Ministry is loving people. That's what I've caught you to, love people. And I went, tears all over my face. I can do that. I can do that, Lord. So I went and gave my notice. Do you know that that place has no part-time employees in their history of their company? And they were going to create a part-time position if I would have took it. Isn't that honoring? I had a floor meeting on my last day and announced to everybody I was leaving in case they didn't know and I felt weird about it and the Lord said, stop feeling weird. They're honoring who I am in you. Because it felt like, it felt weird. They held a floor meeting, guys. The whole place on the floor and announced that it was my last day in case anyone wanted to say anything. Here's what they said. They said, Dan has been such a, an asset and a blessing to this place. And no offense to our employees, we appreciate you all. But we've often said in the supervisor room, if we could fill the warehouse with Dan Molders, it would be a company's dream come true. That's what they said on the last day. And I'm standing there feeling really weird, and that's when the Lord said, chill, it's okay, they're honoring me and you. 
That's the kind of testimony you want to leave because then when you do speak to people, they have ears to what? Because the integrity of your life follows. You're not just a complainer. You're not just discouraged and depressed. You're not just another angry person with a Christian confession. You actually carry Jesus. Now, I'm not being mean. That's not condemning. It's challenging. It's sobering. It's to sober us when you talk like that. Because you want people to have ears to hear, not just because you're speaking words, because you're living a life. Jesus didn't just speak words. He lived that life. And he said, follow him. Are you all following me? Okay. And uh, they came to me in the hall that day in the aisle and asked me if... if uh, I was really not going to do this, the, the part-time thing if there was any way. And I just said, look, there's just no way. But I really appreciate the gesture. My teammate, a bunch of young guys, they said, I was handing out tapes. I was, I was ministering to these people. My coworkers came. My teammates came who were freaked out when I was on their team in the beginning. And they were like, man, we're going to miss you. What are we going to do without you? I said, you're going to live sober and you're going to start following Jesus like never before. And you're going to start talking to him like a dad, you know. (laughs) And then I really freaked him out because they saw that I had skill to do this job like I was trained to do this job and that I I had less movements, used less energy and did a better quality because I did it for 15 years. And they were like, can you just go out and just do this order like as efficient as you can possibly do it? Knock it out. Because we got paid for incentives. And they wanted to make money. And I told them they ain't ready to make money because money will hurt them. That's what I would tell them. I said, you ain't ready for money. Money will destroy you. I said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil, but the love of it is. And I would teach them that all the time. They said, you're holding out on us. You can do more, can't you? I said, look, I'm hanging at number three of our eight-man team. So I'm above halfway up. So I'm doing you guys good. And they were happy for what I did because we were making a lot of money, actually, for a bunch of young kids. On that last day, I pulled an order for him. I said, Lord, can I have fun with this? Can I just think? He was like, it's okay, do it. I took off, did this order. It was 30-some dollars an hour worth of work that I did. And when they saw what I did, they were freaked out. They were like, you've been holding out on us. We could have been making big bucks. And that's when I talked to them about money. And I actually left him and imparted that to him. While I was there, guys, I had tore my knee. That's the place where I tore my knee, and Jesus sewed it. And the MRI said I needed surgery and months of rehab, and Jesus sewed it, and I never missed a day of work. But the MRI showed the tear and said emergency surgery, five months rehab. I go back to work with that report, totally healed and worked. And they're all in a circle going, you see how it happens? That sure beats just being self-conscious. Why is this happening to me, God? Why is everything happening? You follow? There's a place to keep your heart and mind in a place of where you're purposing to love the world around you and you refuse to live self-centered or self-conscious. You establish that place in prayer because you want to live that way. You can't wake up tomorrow because I preach this today and say, okay, I'm going to do it. You get alone with Jesus and give yourself to him when nobody's looking in the secret place. God, thank you for fashioning me and molding me after your desire, your will, your nature. When men see me, I thank you they see who you are. When they look into my face, they see your countenance, your glory, God. When they look in my eyes, let them be pierced by your love. Father, I want to carry you and represent you. I want to manifest you on the earth. 
I have prayed that way since I've been saved in the face of all kinds of trials, family things, and all kinds of troubles like we all go through, guys. But if that's your priority, you'll have a clear eye on all that other stuff. And none of that will mold you. He will. And he'll walk you through everything. And while you're walking, people will see Jesus. It just sure beats being discouraged. (laughs) You guys ready to take a break? Why don't you take a break, go to the potty, say hi to somebody, come on back. Lord, thank you, Lord. Praise God. Wow. Uh, I've said this before. If you, if you yourself are going through something you've been prayed for by me by others and for some reason we haven't seen things change or you've just been in a position in your life or your body for a while that hasn't changed one of the greatest things you can do is love people and just step outside of that condition and situation and not let it mark you identify you even though it's real and even though it's there the greatest statement of faith is to step a step above it and reach out and love people I'm telling you, it's the greatest. If you've been discouraged, if you've been beat down in life, the easiest thing to do is sit and wait for the magic day when everything seems to change. Or you can get up and go there for. You follow what I'm saying? So I'm just talking to a couple folks, and not on purpose, not intentionally. I just know that that speaking. You follow what I'm saying? So the greatest things you can do, because if not, you're going to stereotype your life, your, your effectiveness and all that through what you're going through instead of what he went through. What he went through is the truth of who you are. And what you're experiencing right now needs to be rendered powerless through the fact that you're a believer and you're going forward. I explained three times probably in this school that if you pray for the sick while you're going through things of sickness, that does not make you a hypocrite. That's, that means you believe that you believe it's God's will to heal above your own experience. It doesn't make you a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a play actor. It's someone that's wearing a mask. So how sincere is it if you're going through your own physical issues, haven't got resolved there yet, but yet you have the compassion to step out above your own inconvenience, pain, and whatever, and love on somebody because you understand what they might be going through, and you step out above your situation to love somebody. That's integral, phenomenal, and priceless. You got the principle? It's huge. It's easy to be deceived and receive a mindset, a human mindset, if you're going through stuff to sideline you. If your mindset is sidelining you, it is not the Spirit of God. You're not sidelined. You're encouraged to go forward. The Bible says don't ever draw back. Don't ever draw back. You know what it says when you draw back? It's in Hebrews 10. When you draw back, you draw back into perdition, to destruction. Because when you draw back, there's nowhere to go but back. (laughs) He says, we are not those that draw back. You want to see it? Hebrews 10. Really fill your heart with the word, guys. You don't want to just come to the school and be taught for 13 weeks. I don't know why I'm just saying this right now, but it's just, you don't want to come to the school for 13 weeks and be taught and sit under teaching 
and not get alone with Jesus, get personal and intimate with him and apply these things to your own heart and life and yield and submit and draw into fellowship with him to where the grace of God can make these teachings and these things your reality because you've been with him. It's huge and important. Because you can sit through the school and get more knowledge and your knowledge will actually bite you down the road if, if you're not spending time here because it'll just challenge you and compare you and, and, and it'll, it'll, it'll work in your mind as, wow, I know all this, but still look. Yeah. And you actually will try to put a hopeless or if I didn't change by now, I'll never change mentality. That's the devil. That's not the spirit of God. So it's very important that you seek him on these things. Uh, wow look at verse 32 recall the former days he's writing in Hebrews here yeah he's, he's, he's whether he's calling them back to something encouraging them watch this this is really good and then on the heels of this he writes a whole chapter on faith and, 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 and the patriarchs of faith it's amazing the, the Bible is so strategic and progressive like you can read the Hebrews, man, and go into revival, come alive and say, you just start in one and when you really understand the whole priestly thing and the whole, and you start going, it's so, Hebrews is one of the most progressive books. It's like, I've sat already on my bed and started in Hebrews run one and read to the end on purpose, I don't know how many times since I've been saved. Because it just, by, you get to about chapter five or six or seven or eight or nine, you're like, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but here he is he says but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated you endured a great struggle with sufferings wow after they were illuminated struggles came and sufferings isn't that amazing the timing of that so what we tend to do is why is this happening why am I going through this what's going on uh, partly why you were made a spectacle look at the sufferings and strugglings they were made a spectacle by reproaches and tribulations. Remember my workplace, the people being cynical and da, 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 da. When you, the more secure you get and the more sure you get in who you are and why and you don't have an agenda. If I'm out there to impress somebody, I'm gonna be shaken by that stuff when people don't yield. But if I'm out there because it's the real me, it's just who I am and I'm not putting on a show, I'm not trying to impress people, I'm just impressed with Jesus. Well then, what men think is rendered powerless how, how, how couldn't that be true or Jesus would have been moved by the great rejection of his life on the earth when he was totally pure the whole time? Nobody ever meant better than Jesus. No one was ever more purely motivated than Jesus Christ and yet his good was being called wrong all the time. And it didn't move him, it didn't change him. He still went to the cross, guys. And not with a hurt heart, with a hurting heart. He didn't cry because of what men did to him. He cried for men and because of what men did. That's what love does. It's powerful. Partly why you were made reproach, uh, a spectacle by reproaches and tribulations, and partly why you became companions of those who were so treated. So they grabbed a hold and they became part of something. And, and then they were stereotyped. Oh, one of them. For you had compassion on me in my chains joyfully accepted the plundering of my goods. Do you understand that, that and some people, they, they say they're, they're not sure who wrote Hebrews. Some people say it's Paul, by the way, he wrote and whatnot. But whoever wrote this, that's just say whoever wrote this uh, was in jail for the gospel. 
and still encouraged, full of joy and encouraging others. That sure beats being in jail saying, God, if you're so good, why did I end up here? Why didn't you protect me? Where are you, Lord? That's the mindset that seems to be in America. Needs to die. (laughs) That mindset needs to die. Here's a guy in prison for the gospel and he understands that because of society and the perverse generation and he understands the sufferings of Christ aren't sickness, it's persecution for living godly and being sanctified. Okay? (laughs) The sufferings of Jesus cannot possibly be sickness or we'd have a record of Jesus suffering with sickness. It's persecution, it's being misunderstood, it's being falsely accused. It's being one thing and being proclaimed to be another. People say, well, I'm suffering for the Lord when they're going through extreme sickness. That's, that's, that's not the scriptural suffering for the Lord. The suffering for the Lord is persecution for his namesake. Okay? If Jesus walked around sick and bore it and endured it, we'd have a different understanding. What did he do? He took sickness off of people. <laughs> it's like Bill Johnson, the first tape I ever heard Bill Johnson, he said, you know, you have to understand the covenant we're in. He said, and when they were under the law and, and, and all that, he said, in the Old Testament, you touched a leper, you were unclean. But in the New Testament, you touch a leper and he's made clean. Yeah. It's a totally contrast. In the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you were unclean. In the New Testament, you're supposed to touch a leper. You see how it's changed? And then he becomes clean because of the blood of Jesus, because of the new covenant through his blood. See why the other day we don't take the Old Testament to confront the new? The Old Testament's pointing to the one to come. That's why I forbid you to ever again ask an Old Testament question. As students, <laughs> concerning healing, <laughs> you can still ask Old Testament questions, but concerning healing, forbidden. <laughs> the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. The day you ask a question like that <laughs> is the day we surely love you. <laughs> Watch this. I'm just having fun. Partly while you were made a spectacle, reproaches, etc., companions, those, for you had compassion on me and my chains. Why? Because they understood. And watch this. Watch this. And joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. The way people, do you know there's third world countries, there's places where when you become a Christian, you get ostracized. There's, 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 there's errors in time and places where you might not be aware of where you have no voice, you, you can't get employed, you couldn't vote, you couldn't do whatever. I'm just using examples where you get ostracized through time. And people still understood the power of becoming a Christian so those things didn't change their mind because to be in Christ was greater. So they joyfully... But they have to ha- you have to have a flip side. Like Paul in Corinthians, uh, I'll show you here in a minute. There it says, uh, you had compassion on me and my change, joyfully accepting the plundering of your goods. How can you joyfully accept the plundering of goods? By knowing something. You have to have a counter thought and revelation to something. 
It's not just a whatever will be. Oh, well, it's okay. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. No, I don't mind that they stole everything or took everything or abused me or I don't mind that they did it. It's not like that. They know something. They have a reason that's making them okay in the face of reality. You get what I'm saying? Watch. Knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. In other words, what an opportunity to reveal a perspective, a motivation, a mindset that comes from Christ. Man, I'm going to be joyful in the midst of all these things and I, because I know there's a way bigger picture and I'm living for that goal. I'm reaching for that goal. Nothing can stop me now. And it sends a message to the world. The Bible says you give a, a cup of cold water to your enemy and it heaps hot coals upon his head. It says that you, you, you don't uh, uh, love just your neighbor, but you love your enemy. You pray for those who, who persecute you. You give to those who despitefully use you. Because that's unnatural. Yeah. That's not the way of the world. You give a cup of cold water to your enemy? Are you kidding? Let them be thirsty and die so they don't fight us anymore. That's how we think. But our war's not flesh and blood. Oops. So our war's never people. And people are entitled, all entitled through the blood. It's once for all to eternal life. God desires all men to be saved. Everybody qualifies. He didn't just die for your sins, but the sins of the whole world. We can't forget that or we'll get self-righteous and we'll forget how we got in. We were lost too. It says that we once walked in these things, that we were alienated and enemies. We all walked in these things. We lived this way too. We were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive. So when you see somebody dead, it's like Brian said yesterday, you just realize that they don't know any better. They don't understand. If they knew who they were, if they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't say what they say and do what they do. We've got to get that. And it keeps you from being that just people are your enemy out to get you. Because that'll make you defensive and that'll make you insecure. It'll, it'll, it'll change you. You'll, you'll be intimidated by that. No, we're here to love people. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Watch this. He's preparing us here. For you have need of endurance. So it's impossible to live life without being put in a position that requires endurance. You're all going to be tried. Every one of us is going to go through things that we have to press through. And we've made the great mistake that thinking if we're going through that, we must have done something wrong, opened a door or something. It's just called life. It's just called trials and troubles and tribulations. It's just living in the world but not being of it. We, somehow we've turned the gospel into this bubble that we're supposed to live in that protects us from the things everybody's going through. The winds and waves come to the house of the wise just like the foolish. You hear it? I think those girls are out there having fun. <laughs> Look, Patty, Patty, Patty couldn't take it. She went out. She said, I'm going. It's all right. We love you, Patty. 
Watch this. Don't throw away your confidence. That's a great word. Watch this. You have need of endurance so that what? So to fulfill the will of God, it requires endurance. Just settle that. That's why you can't love your own life unto death. You have to love not your own life unto death or you'll never endure. You have to understand there's a bigger picture. You're living for the bigger picture. You following? For you have need of endurance so that after the will of God is done, you may receive the promise. So is receiving the promise why we're in this thing or fulfilling the will of God? Whoa. So what's the priority? See, it's selfless. It's not, if it's just receiving the promise, it's for you. If it's fulfilling the will of God, you've died to yourself, picked up your cross, and you're following him. Isn't that good preaching? Oh, Holy Spirit's amazing. <laughs> Serious, I just, I'm just going as I'm going here. I mean, I don't even have that on my notes. You have need of endurance <laughs> so that after you've done the you may receive. So what's the priority here? What are we living for? Promise or the will of God? Will of God. Isn't that awesome? For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and not tarry. And we're going to live by faith. Amen? The just. The justified. Now watch. But if anyone draws back, see it's not an option. Living by faith is what we do. Drawing back is not an option. If anyone draws back, what? My soul has no pleasure in him. It doesn't mean he's disappointed. He's got his arms crossed and his brow raised and he's mad at you. What it means is the good pleasure to give you the kingdom, that good pleasure that he gets by giving you the kingdom, watching his will fulfill, he can't fulfill his good pleasure in you. Do you see? It doesn't mean he's disappointed with you. He can't take pleasure in fulfilling his will through you because you're drawing back. He can't manifest destiny through you. He can't fulfill who you are in him. It's the Father's good pleasure to what? Give you the kingdom. The word pleasure and pleased is used a lot. It pleased the Father to bruise his son. Why? To get to you, to get the kingdom inside of you. And if you draw back, he can't take pleasure in that because he can't use that if you're drawing back. Now watch what else happens when you draw back. When you draw back, you enforce the lies of the soul and you keep natural wisdom your wisdom. When you draw back, the reason for drawing back becomes your truth and reality. You'll see it. But we are not those. It sound, do you see it's not optional to draw back? It's not, it's not optional. Watch. We are not of those who draw back. Right? <laughs> They're not drawing back. <laughs> Patty. Well, she, yeah, but she didn't draw back. She just drew to them. <laughs> we are not of those who what? We are not of those who what? Draw back to what? To perdition. Destruction. That word means destruction. So drawing back is a destructive place because there's no renewing of the mind. There's no increase of revelation and reality. There's no faith risk. There's no, okay, watch this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If they draw back, 
from their confession and their stand and compromise and honor Nebuchadnezzar and bow to his thing, do they, his idol, do they ever get the revelation that they got through the fire? <laughs> so is the fire the challenge or drawing back or believing? It's not even about the fire, it's about believing. What are we gonna believe? Who are we gonna serve? So if Nebuchadnezzar has his way in them and they draw back, there's no pleasure. They never walk in the revelation. Now they draw back to save themselves and in saving themselves by drawing back, they're actually costing themselves because they're not walking in what they're called to know. And it's all because they're trying to avoid fire, but it's a default. You lose by default. When you back up, you're already, you've already lost. It's to destruction because you're just trying to save yourself and you've saved nothing. Israel's in default when Goliath's there for 40 days threatening them and nobody will stand up and fight. They, they said if you, if, you, if you step out and the loser, you know, will, will serve, etc. And, and, and by the fact that no one even represented Israel, they were losing by default for 40 days and, and being tormented and challenged and, and, and in fear. And, and that, that whole time they already lost because they drew back. Zero victory. There's no chance of victory. Until someone steps up and says, who is this? And who do they think they are? You see? Man, we're not those who draw back. We are not those who draw back. But those who believe, where's belief going to take you? What's the saving or the salvation of the, of the what? That's your mind and emotions. That's bringing your mind and emotions back to its original created place and value. I believe that with all my heart. That's what redemption is. It's, the same. it's taking the effect of the fall of man out of you. The way we think apart from him. The more you continue to go forward and believe, there's a saving of the soul process that's taking place. You can find it in 1 Peter chapter 1, the same phrase. And it's in the face of trial, not letting go, but continuing to believe. And it says the end result of your faith is the salvation of your soul where your spirit theologically is already saved. Guess what's being saved? Guess what's being saved, healed, delivered, protected, preserved by truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's the salvation of the soul. How do you get there? By believing and moving forward. That's why you don't back off and not pray for the sick just because you're sick. Because you're what? Believing the saving of the soul. You getting this? But you have to have a bigger picture than right now and how you tend to feel. You have to endure joyfully knowing that there's a greater possession for you waiting. Isn't that what motivates us? You all good? Yeah. Second Corinthians, I'll nail this down, and I wanted, man, I really wanted to talk about some practical stuff. We, when we have, we'll, we got the rest of this school. We'll just hit it, but are you getting something out of this part, though? Okay, good. So it feels like I, I skipped over somehow, but it feels right in my heart. I just, this is the way I roll, so. Okay, verse 5. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, didn't I tell you? 2 I was testing your prophetic gift. 
We need to teach on the prophetic. Nobody knew where we were. <laughs> Kidding. Okay. Okay. I'm going to have to try to read here and cover some ground because I don't want to just jump in. It. I'm hearing in my heart it wouldn't be good to just jump in here. I want you to see the context of what's being written. Oh, God, but how far back? Okay, I'm not going to go way back. It, oh, my goodness, Corinthians 3 is awesome. <laughs> you know what happens? You back up to 3 and you look at 2 and go, Whoa, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, let's just go to Genesis. and. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Arthur. We will pursue to Revelation by September 1st. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Everyone, Genesis, please, no. <laughs> Back up to 2 Corinthians 3. Let's like just take a chance and jump in at verse 17. Because there is, oh, I'm being so tempted right now. Te- oh, drawn. Drawn's a good word. Back further, but I'm not going there. <sighs> now the Lord is the Spirit. I thought Jesus was the Lord. (laughs) Now I'm confusing you. The Lord is the Spirit. I guess the Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord, huh? Whoa. (laughs) I guess Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is one, huh? (laughs) So the Spirit is the Lord. Your Bible says that. (laughs) What what do you mean? I thought Jesus was the Lord. Well, we must be talking about the Spirit of the Lord Jesus. Right? Oh my goodness, that's too funny. Why do we get complex over that stuff? It's so simple. The Lord is the Spirit, and now he reverses. Why? And we're the Spirit of the Lord. <laughs> Whose Spirit? Spirit of the Lord. And who is the Spirit? He's the Lord. That's why the devil can't stop him. <laughs> Amen. Yay. That's why we're called the cast out spirits, because now that Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, lives in us. Oh, come on, this is simple. It's why we got to know who we are. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with unveiled. See, you would need to read Colossians 3 and see that Christ takes away the veil. Your face is unveiled. Beholding, look at this, with unveiled face. This is every one of you. I mean, I'm calling every student to this place. With an unveiled face. God loves you. Man, it's just like a daddy giving his daughter away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh! <laughs> Unveiled face. Presenting you to the man you're going to be with forever. <laughs> beholding as in a mirror. Look, an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror. What are you beholding with unveiled face? The glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image. You hear I always preach that the cross brings us back to original value. God's restoring his image in us through salvation. He's getting us back to what he intended man to be from the first place. Why else would he bring you back to the same image? Because you're predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. It's so scriptural. It's your birthright. It's why you're alive. It's why I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> to look like my dad. <laughs> but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What are we being? Change. We're being transformed. It is not a good idea, folks, to be like, well, I don't think God's doing much in me. Well, it's sure taking long. Well, I don't know where. Please get that language out of you. Because then you're subjecting yourself to some magic moment. 
No, we're growing up into him in all things. There's a place to be encouraged and say, you've won my heart. I want you, Lord. I don't want the things I used to want. You're doing a work in me. God, it feels like I got so far to go, but the truth is you're in me, and I'm on the road. We're heading somewhere in you. Are you following me? Because we tend to criticize ourselves. We introspect and nitpick and fault find and, and, and highlight where we're not instead of grab where he's taking us. Come on. Don't be lied to. Don't be fault finding. If God didn't come fault finding, why would you? God came saying your potential's incredible. In fact, it's worth the blood of my son. Getting you back on page is worth the death of Jesus. Isn't that what the cross says? Doesn't the cross say his death is worth your life lived? Doesn't the, the gospel say that? What else could it mean? God wants you alive. He doesn't want you dead. That's what it means. Why? Because he never created man to die. He created man to live in him forever. And when man threw that away, God didn't change his mind. And through Jesus restored that truth to our lives. Oh, what an unfailing love. What a rock. <laughs> Beholding as in a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord. And you are being what? Chew, transformed into what image? The same image. From what? That's why you enjoy the growing process. And don't get down on yourself. And if negative language is coming in our mouth, it's not coming from Holy Ghost. Please don't speak it. Do you know how humanity has been trained from little up? We've been trained, you, you, you do something and you get mad at yourself. Oh, you dummy. Oh, you are so stupid. Oh, you'll just never get this right. We'll be all alone in a room, talk to ourselves out loud like that. Hello? Oh, what a knucklehead. You are such a dummy. You drop something and lose something and fall off a cliff or off a bridge and into the water. Oh, you are so stupid sometimes. Well, just because you might do something that seems stupid doesn't make you stupid. But see, there's a, there's a thing there that gets embedded and ingrained. And there's, isn't it amazing how that stuff got into our language and into our minds through the fall? What is it? It's the devil beating us down to get us to never even dare think and imagine we could be found in his image. Because who are you? You're just a dummy. You're just the stupid one that did this. Well, don't you remember when this? Well, what do you mean, child of God? Yeah, right, loser. Well, you're a sinner. You sinned. Haven't you sinned? Guess what I am? I'm beholding in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. <laughs> and I'm being transformed. <laughs> and as goofy as it looks to you right now, it's into the same image. <laughs> From glory to glory. Even by the Spirit of the Lord. Who's changing me? Am I changing me? Am I just a good Christian? Am I just a diligent man biting my lip being a better guy? Who's changing me? The Spirit of the Lord. By the Spirit of the Lord. 
That's why we're in fellowship with him. That's why we're communing and sharing our heart and desire with him, giving ourselves to him in prayer. Not just praying a list of stuff and needs and wants and desires, communing with him that we're his and that he's working in us for his good pleasure, both to will and do for his good pleasure. I'm alive for your image. I'm alive for your glory. Manifest yourself through me. Thank you for the grace that abounds to me today to look like a son. Thank you, Father, for your unceasing, unfailing love. (sighs) That's prayer. That's communion. That's union with the Lord. I wasn't taught this stuff growing up, so I lived a lot of lies. Jesus struck my heart one night at work, and I got alone in the bedroom with him. And the lights came on. Oh. Oh, man. Amen. Okay. I got to wrap this thing we were talking about up. Oh, no. Let me. I'm sorry. Like, the Lord's like, what are you doing? Oh, see, I'm so, I'm so gushy right now. I got to finish this. I'm here for a reason. So we, we're being changed into the same image from glory to glory. What? By the spirit of Therefore, since we have this ministry, what's the ministry? It's the ministry of righteousness. If you look in, in chapter 3, it's, it's, it's what he's talking about. This ministry of righteousness. It's not a ministry of condemnation. It's a ministry of righteousness that unveils your face through Christ. And it makes you desired by him and wanted by him. You roll back. You're not covered anymore. You're not, you're not veiled. Moses comes to the mountain. They all... No, are you kidding me? He's, I'm, I'm the bride. I'm a guy, but I understand it. I'm the bride. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a weird thing. Therefore, since we have this ministry, watch. As we have received, see how important it is to receive his mercy? And not talk yourself out of it. Because as you receive his mercy, what happens? You don't lose what? Heart. You receive mercy and don't lose heart. Because <laughs> mercy triumphs over. Guys, if we could ever figure this one out, I've preached it a lot over the years. Satan cannot stop or defeat the mercy of God. There's nothing he can do about it. God's merciful and he's going to be merciful. It doesn't matter what the devil does. He's merciful. If we can receive mercy, we can get past what the devil's saying and doing and what he's done in our lives. If we can just receive mercy, we're free. He can't stop mercy. He'll never change God's mind. God's merciful. It renders the enemy powerless. The mercy of God stops the devil in his tracks if we understand that and receive mercy. And we're righteousness. We're free. We're finally free. <laughs> Are you getting that? Yeah. I figure if I just stand here and be free, it'll get on somebody. I just, <laughs> we're, just, we're just free. <laughs> Are you following? Yeah. So, so it's not about what you did wrong. It's not even about how you failed and blundered after you came to Jesus. It's about receiving mercy. That puts integrity in your heart. That doesn't make you a, 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 an easy, greasy, grace Christian. That, that, that puts integrity in you because you've never been loved that way. No. 
No one has ever given you this much space to succeed and not be afraid to fail. Because it's never about failure. It's about being pure and sincere and stepping forward. You've never been given this opportunity in your life. Mercy gives it to you. If I'm pure, my motives are clean. It's not about what I've done wrong. It's about stepping out in him. He'll fashion me. It's not that I'm promoting doing wrong. I'm not even afraid of that. I want to believe. He's put me in a broad place. No one's ever loved me like this. I've never been so free. I'm not under pressure. I'm privileged. I've never been so free. Are you following? Because he has mercy. On my worst day ever, before Christ, he saw me for mercy. And here I stand today because he's merciful. Not because I'm a great guy. Oh, mercy. Because we receive mercy, we don't lose heart. So if we do lose heart, we're probably not receiving mercy. So if we're disheartened, we're probably misunderstanding and getting a blinded picture of truth. Probably has some natural logical reasons why we're disheartened. Probably don't stand in the light of mercy. <laughs> probably mercy covers those things. Oh, Faint not, that's right. Watch this. See? See sincerity, purity, watch. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. We're not walking in craftiness with twisted motives, ulterior, other agenda stuff. We're not saying one thing meaning the other. Because if you're doing that, you've already got your conscience all whacked out. And your heart already knows that. We're not doing that. We're not handing the word of God, handling it deceitfully. But by manifestation, uh-oh, watch this. This is your life lived, guys. This is that workplace thing. Oh, watch. We're not doing none of that stuff deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, what you see is what you get, right? Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Man, you want to live in the privileged place of manifesting truth where there's nowhere for anyone to hide where they're at work looking at you and they can't deny who you've become. And it's not a perfection thing, it's a sincere purity thing. But you'd be amazed how it actually walks a very fine line to the world that it almost appears perfection. You're not under the, the restraint of perfection, you're called to purity and in that pure place you will walk complete before man, it's amazing. Because it's your desire. Grace meets you there. You're, you're not, you have no other motive when you go to work. You're not doing things to be noticed. You're not doing things to get your way. You're not doing things to find favor over here. You're doing things because of love. And grace is with that. And the message you send will be so clear. The other place I worked, on the last day I was there, I worked two and a half years after being there. 13 years I got saved. I worked two and a half years. They persecuted me, you have no idea. They draw pictures, put them on the boards. They do cat calls over the, oh, they do all kinds of things over the a big public intercom and make fun of me all the time. 
And I was so free and so blessed. And they were making fun of what they didn't understand. And the more they made fun of it, they felt like they didn't have to be convicted by what statement it was making to their lives. And yet there wasn't one thing they could mark me with. There wasn't one thing. Two and a half years, guys. I'm not being condemning and judging you right now. I'm telling you, it's possible to live this way. There wasn't one thing they could mark me with on a 40-hour-a-week job in two and a half years. Not one. And on my last day, I'm telling you, they put me in, my bosses were taking advantage of my heart in the sense of I wouldn't stand for rights. I wouldn't do, I'd do I, everything I preached to you guys. I, wouldn't, I, would, I would take whatever load, whatever work. Teamsters Union, now my guys, why are you taking a job? You should bump that down. You shouldn't do that job. You have more seniority. I don't care, I'll do the job, it's fine. It's under the Lord, I don't, I don't mind doing the job. Somebody has to do it, why would I bump it down? I'll just do it, it's fine. Yeah, but it's making it bad for us, then they'll expect us to do the job. No, we're Teamsters Union, you do what you want, it's okay, don't get mad at me just because I want to walk in truth, justice. Because of that one scenario right there, a boss called my house on the day off. My day off. A boss. Uh, Dan? Yeah, hey, what's going on? He's stuttering. A little backwards. Man, get with it. You called. It's okay. What's, yeah, sorry to, man, why? Why'd you call? Is everything okay? Well, I just need to ask you a question. Go ahead, man. I don't know how you live the way you do. I see what they're doing to you at work. And you never change. And I can tell it's you. It's sincere. I don't understand. I know you're going to tell me it's Jesus. But I don't understand that. How do you live the way you live? I said, you got a minute? (laughs) Came to my house, sat on the porch and wept. And got born again. Was my agenda to get him saved when I went to work? Model Jesus. You model Jesus, somebody's getting saved. (laughs) If I'm trying to get people saved, I'm under pressure. I might fail. If I'm modeling Jesus, I'm having the time of my life. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Are you getting this? I can tell you so many stories. On my last day at work, there's, I'm at my locker and somebody in the crowd, the whole hall's full of men at their lockers, warehouse fellows. Two and a half years, guys, I'm transformed. And in their group, they're finding boldness and safety in numbers. So when they're all together, like that, somebody yells out something, somebody says something, and I either duck my Bible or pull my Bible, put it in my coat pocket or something. And somebody yelled out something and everybody's laughing. And that happened for two and a half years. But on this day, it's my last day, the spirit of the Lord came upon me. Because I don't have to address that. But the spirit of the Lord literally came upon me. Like you see in the Bible where it says the spirit of the Lord, it was, a, it was an awareness of the anointing of God and the voice of God came out of my mouth. It was amazing. I smiled real gentle. I turned and looked. I said, isn't it amazing, guys? And when I lifted my voice, the whole place got silent. For two and a half years, I've been saved and in love with Jesus. Y'all said this and that from the beginning, but nothing's changed. I'm more convinced than I've ever been. And it isn't amazing. After two and a half years, you're still mocking and persecuting. 
You're only trying to find strength in your numbers because every one of your wheels are spinning because of what God's done in the change in my life. So it sounds like I'm bearing witness on myself, but it's convicting them. And, and, and all of them were like, and I said, besides, who among you can even convict me of sin in these last two and a half years? I said, everything about my life has been good and positive and upright. And it just speaks in the face of your own lives and the only reason you're persecuting because you're challenged by the reality of this change and it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And I surprised said something like he loves every one of you and he wants us all transformed and back in his, everything in my life has been a good thing. There's not one bad or negative thing and you can all testify. They're all sitting there like this. When you're, if you ever worked in a warehouse, when you have a time like that and you speak like that, now I have to walk from here. It might be actually the length of the sanctuary to those double doors a hallway that far full of men and you walk and can hear a pin drop the whole time and that one person goes Whoa! that's the spirit of the Lord yeah. oh this is so good so I leave that night I go I'm off and running I'm pastoring now I go to the march for Jesus and one of my co-workers is out on the street marching in a crowd I run up ow what are you doing Marching for Jesus. <laughs> huh? I hugged him, started to weep, he wept. Dan, I knew what happened in your life. I knew it was real and I, I was so convicted, man. I just wanted to just get saved. I wanted to get saved, man. I saw how they persecuted you and I watched it. I heard how they talked about you behind the scenes and mocked you all the time and I wasn't ready for that. I felt like I couldn't endure that. So I just held off, but my heart was tore up. He said, and after you left, something happened. I was like, what, what, what do I care what they all think if this is real? And I just went and got saved. I said, what? I went to a church. And he told me where he went, Eagle Christian. So I went and got saved. I said, oh, we're hugging. So we have countywide prayer, countywide prayer rallies. And I'm going to the countywide prayer rally. And here's one of my coworkers coming up the steps. I'm like, Butch, what are you doing? I took a personal day to come to the prayer rally. Huh? <laughs> We've been holding home groups in our house, my wife and I. You born again? Danny, after you left, that week after, I said to my wife, we need to get to church and get things straight. My heart's tore up. She cried and said, I was wishing the same thing. We need change. I'm like, oh. wow. yeah. and then watch, and all of a sudden I got a flashback. I said, I know when that happened. That was sealed in you. He said, he said, one day in the aisle you were talking. I said to the guys, but you were down the hall. You were sitting on a box taking break on your forklift. You were 30 yards away. He said, that's exactly, I saw it. Wow. He was sitting like he was reading a magazine. And about five guys were around me on break talking, some of them challenging and some of them sincere questions and a mix of stuff and I'm just pouring out my heart and Butch is looking like this 30 yards away feeling safe at a distance getting so convicted and so moved in his heart and he went and got saved story after story I have a good one for you co-worker driving down the road 
Spirit of God comes in the car, stronger than ever. He's been convicted, convicted, parks his car along the road in the dark, gets out bawling, goes to the shoulder of the road in front of his car, kneels in the asphalt, and gives his life to Jesus. (laughs) My Bible says, if you sow, Somebody's going to water. If somebody waters, God himself gives the increase. I am not under the pressure to get a man saved. I am under the privilege of loving in his unfailing love. Are you following me? So when you touch people on the streets, it's your privilege. Go. You just be the best you. You're not trying to be like me. You're not trying to be like Todd. You're not trying to be like somebody else. You're just being you, the best you. Be sincere. Be honest. If you're nervous, you can tell them you're a little nervous. Just don't exploit it too much. Just, excuse me, listen. Man, I notice you're really hurting. Yeah, oh yeah, why? Well, honestly, you just be real. I remember first praying for people. I was just really, really, I still am pretty honest there's times I perceive Todd's real good at he has a revelation for hey can I just see your hand for a minute and he pulls it off all the time and not in the sense of where he has an agenda it just flows he's just can I see your hand what do you mean no it's cool I just you, this is gonna be great I want to see your hand and they just kind of like go like this or they'll go like this he just touches them real light on the sides of the hand grabs two of their fingers father I just sang it. he just starts praying he doesn't even say a word about Jesus he just say man dude what'd you do to your knee Man, that's quite a brace. Yeah, tore ACL, and they're telling me they want to do that tendon replacement thing. Oh, yeah, no way. Can I see your hand for a minute? What do you mean, my hand? No, it'll be cool, dude. You'll, you'll love it. I just want to see your hand. What, what are you going to do? What are you? Father, I thank you right now for your love for this man. And it's just, it's just like, bam, it's too late now. You got his hand. Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. People do not. I had one person in my life try to pull back their hand and say, you didn't say you were going to pray for me. I said, sorry, I didn't think I had to. I can still pray for you, right? I don't have to hold your hand. Well, no, I don't want you. And I actually told him, well, listen, I'm not here to offend you. I'm here to bless you. But there's reasons you don't want me to pray. You're hurt. You have impressions. You have beliefs. And you're stereotyping this situation. So when you walk away, not to offend you, I'm just going to keep praying for you. I'm believing you'll see that change and you're going to know it's God's goodness and God's mercy and this was all a good thing. God bless you. You say, well, that could really make them mad. Not when God comes. See, we don't want to limit him, guys. If that person is that blind, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Why do we judge them for that? Jesus didn't. Wouldn't it be cool if we could grow in a place where we walk in such an authority and love is so pronounced and so profuse that we could just say the word like the centurion's son? You say, yeah, but you had a dad on behalf of the boy and stuff. Yeah, but wonder if love is greater than what they don't see. And wonder if you look at them and say, look, I'm not trying to see, because we just did it in Wegmans. I told you about the guy, I think, had the carpal tunnel. His whole hand was numb, and, and I shared with him that I wanted to pray with him. So here's a good example. I just walked up to him. Hey, buddy, man, that's quite a wrist thing. What do you got going on? That looks serious. Oh, it's carpal tunnel. They're going to do surgery on Friday. 
so you got a lot of symptoms. Are you kidding? My whole hand's numb. It's completely numb, my whole hand. I said, really? I said, listen, man, this is gonna be awesome. I know you're on the clock. I see you're a manager. He had the manager thing on, and I know you got responsibility. 15 seconds, it won't take much time. I wanna pray for you. Let's watch and see what happens to your hand. I just wanna bless you and pray in the name of Jesus. I believe he'll bring your hand alive right here in the store. He said, well, we just got one problem with all that. I don't believe a thing of what you're saying. And I said, and, and see, people say stuff like that. And I just looked at him and smiled. I said, look me in the eyes, friend. We don't have a problem. I believe it. Give me your hand. I just stayed real calm and smiled. And he, he's like, and he got real nervous. And I said, I threw you with that, didn't I? And I giggled. And I said, you weren't expecting that, huh? He said, no, you did throw me. I said, that was your cop-out line. That's how you get away from people like me, <laughs> saying you don't believe. And then they just say, and they leave you alone. I said, man, I wonder if I love you too much to leave you alone and I'm not just a crazy man just trying to prove something or I'm not just don't have an agenda here. Wonder if I believe your hand can change. I said, because if I didn't believe, I'm pretty foolish right now trying to ask to pray for you. He said, well, you got a point there. And I said, well, let's just pray. Let's get it on. It'll be 15 seconds. He said, don't you hear them calling me to photo? They're calling me to photo. I need to get to photo. They've been calling me the whole time. Look, I'm not here to strain you. I'm here to bless you. I don't want to, so you go to photo, but here's the deal. And a fellow just walked up that I was in the store with. I said, we're going to pray. Actually, he had his wife with him. I said, we're going to pray for you as you go to photo. As you're walking to photo, check your hand. I believe it's coming alive. And I said, we'll check in on you. So we prayed right in the hall, right in the aisle for him. He's going to photo. And guess what happens to his hand? So he is over at photo, totally freaked out and undone. He's afraid. He's actually afraid. He said, I'm afraid. What's going on? You guys have me so afraid. And, and he said, you're freaking me out. I said, what's going on? And, and he said, my whole hand came alive. I don't have any numbness at all. I said, well, I shared Jesus. He was on the phone. He was putting somebody on hold. And I, didn't, I, I honor that. I'm not there to preach Genesis to Revelation. Yeah. I honored that and I gave him about two lines of conviction and walked out of the store. I'm not, I don't have to disciple him. I need to give him a true encounter with God so Holy Spirit can bring him to the reality of God. So who knows that I just sowed a major seed in his life or watered something that was sowed. But who knows God is coming with increase. You get it? It's just stopping people. When you're out on the streets... Don't, you don't have to pray long. You, every situation's different. Discernment is something we want to grow in. Let your love be sincere and it's discernment. You're not trying to win the world. You're just loving people. Thank God if we could win the world by loving people, that would be good, right? Don't get a higher... See, I don't try to run a lot of highlight clips anymore because people get a wrong impression. Then they think stuff's too little. Well, that wasn't much. If you love somebody, it's much. Okay. I've had the privilege of watching a couple people come out of wheelchairs that could not walk on the streets. I've only seen three in that condition, but three's still three. So it can be four. Oh, I'm so encouraged. See, I'm not, well, why was it only three? No, it was three. Yay. You see what I mean? But I've also walked into a mall and had a young girl come out that I believed in my heart had suicidal tendencies and I spun and said, hey girl, and that had known the Lord. Hey girl, don't you be deceived. Your life is so worth living. Jesus says, "His I fixed on you. He wants you to be encouraged. And don't you think, da, 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 da. And she's just like this. And I said, bless you. Have an amazing day. Right in the mall. That's the stories where people say, I think God sent an angel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
because I'm not there to give her my business card. I'm not there to invite her to our church. I'm there to snap that lie off her soul that's trying to rob her of life without a red carpet, just introducing Jesus and his love, and I'm gone. It's powerful. You look back through as you're heading up through, and she's just going across the parking lot. It's powerful. Let me ask you a question. What's more awesome? Can't walk in a wheelchair for two and a half years or stopping and saying that to that girl? What's more awesome? Which one ranks higher? They're the same, aren't they? Yay. Hello? Because they're both love. Only time could tell she could take that conviction and go do more for the kingdom than the lady that got out of the wheelchair. Just because that seems extraordinary to us, why is this any less? It's all love. There's no small thing in the kingdom. The smallest of seed grows to the biggest of tree. And that's the kingdom of God. It's as if a man would sow a seed. Even the smallest of seed. There's nothing small in the hand of God. You follow me? So sometimes we get this picture that if I go into Walmart and they aren't all laying on the floor shaking under the fire of God and every wheelchair empty, that God probably hasn't moved. No, it's just passing by the register and seeing a little stress in the lady's face. I want you to know you're doing a good job. I can't imagine the pressure that tries to come on you with the lines and the grunts and the sighs and the hurried society. Bless you. Father, bless her. Let your peace rest upon her. I encourage you. You're doing a great job. She's standing with tears in her eyes because she's thinking of quitting. You might be amazed. I was in a restaurant and a girl came up to me to, to the table and she, and this has happened a bunch of times, but this one was really special because the Lord told me to give her a very large sum of money on the tip. And she came up to the table and she said, hi. And I said, hey, girl. I said, you're a single mom. Yeah. And you haven't been doing this job very long. And you're thinking you can't do it and you're thinking of quitting but you can't because you need the money so you're in the jam. Now she's got tears, big tears. She's trying to wait on her table and now she's ready to go cry. I said, listen, Jesus told me that. He's real and he loves you and he wants you encouraged. He doesn't want you quitting. He wants you staying at this job and he wants you trusting him. He'll give you strength to do this job. Don't you quit. I said, he loves you. And I said, listen, you can bring us the wrong drinks you can mix up our meals today. You're getting blessed. And he gave me an amount to give her on this tip. So I wrote it all out, gave it to her, and we slipped out of there. We get into our cars to leave. And they said, oh my God, Dan, she's coming across the lot. She's running and she's bawling. I said, ah, oh, because I was trying to get out of there. So I told her I was out of state. I said, you may never see my face again. She's running across the lot holding the receipt, trembling uncontrollably, going, but why? I don't understand. Why? Her managers are at the door like, all like, like, what's going on? What? I took her by the shoulders. I said, honey, in today's society, a young woman like you and a man my age writing a tip like that could mean a lot of weird things. I'm trying to get away and get in my car and just leave because it's Jesus, sweetheart. He knew you're a single mother. He knows what you're supposed to She said, but 
this is my first day at the tables alone on my own. I was thinking I can't do this. How could you know? Honey, his name is Jesus. This tip came from him, not me. He wants you encouraged. Look to him, trust him, pray to him every day. Let him be Lord of your life. Let him, she's just like, oh my God. And we're hugging and she's just undone. She turns going back in the restaurant like this. <laughs> carrying her little tip receipt. <laughs> Which was more than many, many tips combined. Why? Because it was a statement from Jesus. From a man she never met and might never ever see again with not one string. We'll wonder if she doesn't end up going to church, brother. We'll wonder if she just, well, you didn't even get her saved. Shallow, shallow thinking, quick to speak, shallow minded people. Shh. Kim, run up here quick. Hand her a microphone. Miss Kim, come here, quick. Hand her a microphone. Here, it's right there. Share your, can you share that little story about the man? Oh, yeah. Just be specific. Just, just, just go right to the heart like you told me. It was incredible. Okay. Um, last week, uh, last weekend, we went out on the streets at the prompting of some of the kids that um, we mentor and um, that are, have just come alongside, and they're just like our family. Um, so we went out on the streets of downtown Richmond, and it was a dark, dark area. I mean, you know, spiritually, um, a lot of brokenness, and that's where we like to be. And um, we were walking down the street, and we were just loving on people, everybody, you know, that we saw. And a man walked past me. He was walking past me, and he could not have looked meaner or darker. He had uh, a sh- his shirt was off. He had all the gang tattoos, the teardrops. The dark sunglasses at night, no shirt, bullet marks on his, on his arms. Explain, explain the teardrops because they might not. That means you're in a gang, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, then, and it has to do with people it, that you've killed. Murder. Mm-hmm. You, you've, there, yeah. There's lives that have been cost because of you and the gang, and there's, yeah. Okay, so I didn't even know that, but yeah. I knew. There's, I knew there's it, others. Yeah. 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 But um, so anyway, we um, I saw this man. And I just looked at him and I smiled at him and I said, bless you. And he said, he turned and he stopped and he said, bless you too. And he kept walking. But as he walked away, the Lord said into my heart, there are a lot of things that happened to a man that caused him to be like that. And I saw him in the spirit just shrink down to a little boy. And I started to weep and just just weeping behind him. And I grabbed the hand of um, one of my spiritual daughters and I said, and she, she was crying. And, and we started to pray, and we just started to just release the favor of God over him, and that God would just capture his heart and break down those walls. And I don't even know what we were praying, but we, we were just interceding for him. And my husband came alongside me. Uh, there were quite a few kids behind us and, um, that were with us. And my husband came alongside me, and I looked at him, and he said, the man. <laughs> And I said, yes, and he said, me too. And so he went over, and he started to walk alongside him, and he said, I did, we just felt like we should pray for you. And, and the man looked, stopped and looked at Mike, and he said, my mother was strangled. She died. And, uh, and he said, I haven't told anybody. I haven't felt, and he said, I haven't told anybody about my pain. And then he turned around, and he looked at me, and he said, 
when you said bless you, those words went into my heart. He said, I felt them go into my heart. And he said, I forgot to tell you this part. He said, something came into me and said, turn around, tell her everything. He wow. said, but I couldn't bring myself to it. And he said, but when you stopped again, I knew I had to. And he see started, how Holy Spirit works? Do you see how if we're not pursuing love, you, can't, you don't even care for that man without the grace of God. He's just another man. In fact, he's an intimidating man that you avoid. But because of grace, the Spirit of God, and the willingness to become love, they're crying for a man they don't even know. That's just powerful. Keep going. So he, he began to weep. He began to share with us the torment. He was in just serious torment. He said, I'm out here walking because I cannot escape myself. He said, I don't want to do what I'm hearing in my mind to do. I'm not, I don't want to kill people. And he was so full of bitterness and rage and anger. And we just started to just talk, share the love of God with him and that he's a son. And, his, and he kept saying to us, aren't you afraid of me? Aren't you afraid of me? And we said, no, we see who you are. And he wept and he wept and he said he wanted Jesus. He said, I want this. So he gave his life to the Lord right there and he lifted his arms up and we got all the kids to surround him and they started to just lay hands on him and pray over him. And, and we saw the heaviness just lifting off him, just lifting off him and the light coming over his face. And he was weeping and he said, can I go with y'all? I've never had a family. So he wanted to go on the streets with us. He's walking along. We gave him a Bible. He's walking along and he starts to preach. <laughs> he starts to talk about the devil and, and just how Jesus was in the desert. I mean, he knew this from, from his mother who had been murdered. So, so we, we gave him, the kids, everybody just gave him everything we had. We just gave him all we had. And, uh, and then he said, he, you know, he was hungry. And we said, well, come on, get in our car, we'll take you. So uh, we took him and he, he was like, wanted to get off the dollar menu. I'm like, no, get what you want. Get everything you want. So he, he turned around, he looked, I was in the back seat with my boys and he's in the front with Mike. And he said, I always wanted a family like this. We, and he kept saying, is this real? Is this real? So we, he said, we, we said we'd bring him home. I wanted to take him home with me. I really did. We really did. But you know what the Lord was saying? No, I have plans for him right here. I'm raising him up for here. So his, we drove to, he lives in a really, really bad project. Um, and, you know, it occurred to me later, he could have said, drop me off here. You know, I'll just walk in because maybe he wouldn't have been wanted to be seen with us. But he, that wasn't his response at all. He said, I want you to see what darkness I live in. Maybe the light, if you get out of the car, maybe the light will come. <laughs> so we pull up, all of us. He's meanwhile signaling to everybody he sees that we're okay not to shoot us. So we're not totally not afraid because we, we're just not afraid. <laughs> we're just real happy. And we get out of the car and we're all standing there and we're loving on him. And he said, you'll always be safe here because of what you've done for me. See all these people, I've told them who you are just with my signals. And he said, and I, I run this neighborhood and they know, they know now. And, the, and so the light bulb went off and I said, can we come here? Can we start bringing food? Can we bless you guys? Can we pray for you guys? Can we worship here with you? He said, there's nothing I want more. So we're going in. 
Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so you got to go, right? You just go. So there's a lot of things we can discuss, and we'll get in more into school about just praying on the streets, how to pray in the sense of not praying long, different things. There's just some practical things we covered. We didn't get to it today, but I wanted to close with that testimony because that's God seeing people for who they are, right? So when you're telling them, you know, some people get stumbled. You say, well, you can't, like I heard a preacher say, you can't tell everybody Jesus loves them. He doesn't love them. Uh, there's a preacher on TV that preaches their enemies until they repent. And, and, but the truth is God so loved the world, he gave his son. Hello? So does he love us? Yes. Yeah. And uh, so you can tell everybody, it's the most accurate prophetic word you can ever give anybody. Jesus loves you. You're never wrong. Okay, and uh, when you're telling them they're a son, uh, that means that, that, that what you're saying is, look, God has, he wants you to be a son. Who, we see who you're really called to be. We're seeing past your pain, past your anger, past your disposition, past your stereotype, whatever. We see who you are. And that's what reached him. And that's what I find reach a lot of people when you're out in the streets, amen? Because what they're feeling about themselves, they can't see past that. They're not looking into the mirror beholding right the glory of the Lord so why don't we stand to our feet and let's thank God for his word his love and for Miss Kim and her testimony okay yeah 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 uh, yeah where is she she here yeah, we'll be able to do that. I mean, we, we, I'm sure it's up and running. It's, it'll be cold. Okay. You guys know where the clothes are and yeah. everything back there? Okay. Because, uh, well, honestly, yeah, uh, I, I would lo- I'm going to have to go. But you guys can do it. And I don't care who baptizes. It doesn't have to be me. It's actually good. It's cool if I'm not here in that sense. Because we're the body of Christ. Do you want to? Yeah. That would be awesome. So... Talk to her. Make sure she knows exactly what you're doing. Teach the power of what she's doing. Born again. That's amazing. So, yeah. And isn't it cool that you guys can flow as a family and function? I'm actually got to run. Uh, Dick and I are going for lunch appointment. But I have, I have a schedule this afternoon that I actually might not even get fulfilled. So I really I got to run in that regard. Not that I don't want to stay. But please make sure that happens. Father, we just thank you right now. And we just appreciate you right now for your word, for what you're teaching us and what you're doing in us. Wow, I don't usually do this stuff, but put your hands on your belly, would you? Father, you're doing an amazing work in me. <laughs> just believe that right now. Just, 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 just proclaim that. Father, you're doing an amazing work in me. You're changing me from the inside out. You're teaching me your ways. You're teaching me your love. Thank you that I'm in you and you're in me. I'd be nowhere else. I'd rather be nowhere else but in you. I'm home when I'm in you. Thank you for making me more like you. I'm going to enjoy the ride growing from glory to glory. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for the increase. In your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen? Yay. Amen. We love you guys. Hey, and, 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 and John and his wife, this is their last day. You guys, make sure you hug them, and maybe you guys can just surround them and bless them and send them off and thank God for all they've brought to us and all that God's put in them. Amen? Because it's mutual. Who knows they've been a blessing to us? Just, just seeing him walk around with his little girl on his hand is, like, too cool.